Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, St. Louis. It is time for the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And it is Friday Eve. Friday Eve. It's not Friday. It's Friday Eve, Rock. Friday Eve is a wonderful day. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as Thursday. Brooke, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm feeling really good, especially because of the way that the Cardinals performed yesterday. Indeed, indeed. A quick turnaround, especially after getting absolutely demolished yes. by the Tigers. You like to see a response like that. After giving up 19 hits and 16 runs to the Tigers on Tuesday, six pitchers combined for the four-hit shutout yesterday. Jake Woodford, too, was absolutely fantastic. Right, Kerry? He was. They had four innings pitch, three hits, zero earned runs, one walk, one strikeout. And, Rock, you have that strikeout for us, don't you? Well, trying to effort that. He struck he out was Aaron too Judge. Excited. His yeah. one strikeout was versus Aaron Judge. Yes, that Aaron Judge. Um, the Cardinals had a, did a great job yesterday, as you said, winning four to zero. Our good friend Brendan Donovan did an awesome job as well, going three, two for three with two hits, two runs scored, three RBIs, and um, just awesome job yesterday. Jordan Walker again had a fantastic day. Two hits, got an RBI doing what he's been doing pretty much all spring. One name that we talked about yesterday that we were the competition for for second base, Nolan Gorman going 0 for 3 uh, and not, excuse me, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, Brooke. When you're in a competition, we talked about it yesterday, it's going to be a, a, a everyday, everyday battle between those two trying to see who's going to be the starting second baseman, right? And I love the competition, though. Yeah. Because, look, it's bringing out the best out of both guys. They feel it. They know that there's a competition there. Was that the best day for Gorman yesterday? No. But did he have a great performance the other day? Yes. And so it's going to be who is going to be the most consistent too. But Brendan Donovan, can I also just say that it looks like he definitely hit the weight room too mm-hmm. this offseason. He just looked better. You could feel that power from him. And interestingly enough too, he went to this hitting lab this offseason in Baton Rouge, which a lot of the guys have gone to, including Lars Newtbar and Nolan Arenado. All of them have stopped by this hitting lab. And he went down there to find more power in his bat. And it paid off because... He was able to get a huge home run yesterday. Let's listen to that. Donaldson's Yankee career goes from here. 2-1 pitch to Brendan Donovan, who lifts that one out to right. There's no doubt about that one. That goes deep out to right and gone a three-run home run for the Cardinals as they take a 4 to nothing lead. Donovan had five homers for the Cardinals last year. 
Peralta with a couple of guys on base. Wants to make sure he's throwing strikes. He throws that one, and Donovan pretty much knows right away. Three home runs so far for him this spring. You could tell, too, that he definitely focused more on more power mm-hmm. this offseason. We know that he can hit. We saw yeah. that last season. We saw his ability to, to to do that. But it was very important for him to be more powerful this season so that he could compete more yeah. against Nolan Gorman or even really all these guys. Because, look, there's multiple positions open, right? Because we keep talking about you know that second baseman spot. But at the same time, I don't think that there's many jobs secured mm-hmm. other than you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, you still have DH as well. Yeah. You have many other positions. And we know that Brendan Donovan quite literally is one of the best utility players out there and he can fit into any one of those spots. Yeah, they, they, you talked about a lot of different potential positions still up for grabs. Juan Yepes going 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Moises Gomez going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. We already talked about Nolan Gorman going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Those three guys are, are competing for a position. So, you know, Every day does matter. I know everyone is saying, oh, it's, it's still spring. Yeah, it's it's spring. It's March for Goldie and Arenado and, and Wilson Contreras. Those guys probably doesn't matter as much. But when you're competing for a, a job, a starting job or a job on this um, on this roster, you definitely don't want to have offers and have that many strikeouts in a day. And we have to go back to Jake Woodford and his import and his role yesterday. He was fantastic. Look, guys, this is a Yankees lineup that was not just – you know, uh, some backup guys going out there. This was a series lineup that included five former All-Stars and three former MVPs. And Jake Woodford was absolutely amazing against them yesterday, only giving up three hits, four scoreless innings from him while striking out one. And he also was able to get Aaron Judge. Goes with a fastball right there, so perhaps catching Judge a little off guard. He went with two off-speed pitches and then burned a fastball down the middle. Man, you love to see that from Jake Woodford. He said going into the season that it was very important for him to really find a role in the majors because last year he was very much a journeyman. He was going up and down, up and down, up and down. He was the guy that, you know, you get a call like on Friday and it's like, (laughs) all right, get in the car and come up here. We need you. And then they would ship him off the next day. He wanted to make sure that this season that he could solidify his role of at least being in the majors. Now, where he will fit in is going to be the biggest question. But if he performs the way that he did yesterday, Carrie, he's going to find a role and it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Another one that could be potentially be looking for a role as well is left hander, left handed reliever Zach Thompson, who pitched one inning, had two strikeouts, a good good outing for him also, because he's trying to find a spot on this roster. We talk about left handed relievers. You're going to have you're going to need a couple of them, and he's potentially looking to be one of them. Well, it's a very crowded bullpen. There's a lot of competition all around, which we just talked about. We really like that. And that includes for the bullpen. I liked Zach Thompson's stuff last year. And if he continues to perform the way that he did even yesterday, you got to have that, right? You got to yeah. have that in your bullpen. And I guarantee you Ollie Marmol is saying that to himself, too, watching Zach Thompson yesterday. And really, just a great performance all overall by the pitching staff of just really 
shutting down this Yankees lineup. And I can't say enough that this was a really, really good lineup that the Yankees had out there yesterday. Yeah, the uh, Cardinals will be off today. They play the Mets on Friday night at 5.05 p.m. Slew Billikens faced George Mason in the A-10 tournament today at 1 p.m. They beat George Mason earlier at home, 62-63 to earlier this season. Rock, what are we uh, what are, what are we looking at for a potential run here in the A-10 tournament for Slew? Yeah, it's not going to be a, an easy matchup for St. Louis. Obviously, they, they won this game. It was weird that they, they had kind of had really difficult games against the lower seeds that they could have faced off in Richmond and UMass, but they actually beat George Mason. It was a really tough game. If anyone remembers the George Mason game, it was all it was also very questionably officiated. Yeah. So I, I think there's a little bit of, you know, not in the cliche way, but just kind of the, you know, throw that one out the window a little bit. You just got to look at the matchup. Yuri's going to be draped all over their leading scorer who plays off the ball the entire time. Yuri's a great off-ball defender. That factor plays in to Slew's favor, but obviously a guy having a big like a Duro really plays in George Mason's favor. The big difference in this matchup since they played last time at Chaffetz Arena is the confidence for Franco and the confidence for Jake Forrester. Those guys are playing at a different level as big men. So their ability potentially to slow down a Josh Adoro and compete with him on the boards consistently, it's much better than when the matchup when they played a couple months ago. So again, I think I still think, you know, higher seeded team, I still have St. Louis, I think, winning this matchup, but it's not going to be easy. And the big factor is either Gibson Jimerson, Javante Perkins, or a combination of guys like Javon Pickett, Larry Hughes Jr., and Sear Parker. One of those three people slash groups is going to have to step up and score 18 to 20 points for them to win this game because that's been Slew's makeup the entire time. Yuri's going to play good. The Bigs will play good. The Wings got to do something. Illinois takes on Penn State at 5.30 tonight in the Big Ten Tournament. The Illini went 0-2 for versus the Nittany Lions in the regular season, losing 74-59 to and 93-81. to We'll see if the Illini are able to get some things going. Monster drinking Matthew Meyer, see if he's able to get some things going from behind the arc, see if Terrence Shannon can get to the bucket and get to the free throw line and, and potentially get themselves a win in the Big Ten Tournament. Don't. Frown, don't you frown your face up like that. I'm just curious. Matthew Rocky. I know. You didn't wince I, at all to the fact that they were. Uh, it was a. It was a 15 point and I, a 12 point I loss. I understand. Jalen Pickett put 41 on the your head. Where's the Big Ten tournament played at? Do you know? I, I, I know. I can tell you if you need me to tell you. Right. Chicago. Our backyard. Okay, buddy. Okay. Just so you okay. understand. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm just saying, do you have a plan for Jalen Pickett this time? Yeah, we got to play some defense. We got to step I mean, up, scored, stop him. And he scored 20 in the second game. He, might, he scored 41 hey, in the first. Here's the thing. You might want to double that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that might mm. be the, the mm. move. You feeling confident about getting out of this, getting getting at least a win here in the Big, in the yes. Big Ten tournament? Yes, I, I, I do. I think we'll be playing on Sunday. That's my personal opinion. Is that a, in, is that, in the championship game. All right. Oh, since so my part, you want to write it down? Yeah, we'll write that down. Write it down. We'll see how it goes. Gary <laughs> says Illinois is playing in the Big Ten Championship. I got my game. Illinois shirt on. My I L L I N I. I represent playing. often here. You're you're ready. I'm I'm ready. Big Ten. Yeah. Championship. You see, I will say it, it's it's so surprising. <laughs> it's so surprising this season too, just to see these two teams. I thought if I just could have predicted before anything started, I would have said. Okay, out of Mizzou, Illinois, Billikens, Mizzou's not going to be in this conversation. And now, yeah. out of those three, they probably yeah. It's yeah. been such an up and down yeah. season for the Billikens and for Illinois that mm-hmm. it's just surprising. 
It is. I mean, the, and it's surprising how well Mizzou has played. They play tomorrow versus the winner. Who, who, who are they going against in the SEC tournament? Uh, Tennessee and Ole Miss play today at okay. uh, 2 p.m. Central. They play the winner of that and game. And so they will play the winner of that game. And obviously, if you're a, if you're a Mizzou fan, you're, you're hoping that Ole Miss can maybe upset Tennessee. That's just a tough matchup. Again, Mizzou's thing is volatility. So mm-hmm. maybe having a team that isn't the best in Ole Miss compared to Tennessee would be nice. Where's the SEC tournament played at? I, I, is it not Nashville anymore, or is it somewhere else? Because they signed a contract for Nashville for a while. Well, well Rock is looking that up. We'll figure that yes. out. Nashville? Yes, Nashville. Oh, Nashville. Nashville. Nash Vegas. Is that what we call it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's what they call it. I, that, I, I, I frown upon it. You frown upon Nash Vegas? You're not a fan? No, it's a bad nickname. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Blues take on the Shark tonight at Enterprise Center. The 8, 8 p.m. puck drop pregame at 7 p.m. on 101 ESPN. Brooke, the Blues are going to have to figure out some things on the power play. They're going to have to figure out some things defensively. They got some things to get corrected if they want to have an opportunity to win tonight. So my question is, what do they not need to work on? That's okay. <laughs> that's, we can, that might, that's, the list might be a little bit that, shorter. That might that might be the biggest question for the Blues here moving forward. I, the biggest thing is, I would like to see more of Verona mm-hmm. and what he has to do and how he's going to fit into this equation because. We saw a little bit of his speed. I would like to see more of that. He had one little breakaway chance uh-huh. where I was like, oh, there we go. Right. And then after that, I felt like I didn't notice him as much. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see his presence a little bit more, how he fits into this thing. And I would just like to see Pavel Buchnevich extend his point streak to seven straight games. He has been electric. He's been on fire. He's even surpassed Robert Thomas in points right now. And maybe, just maybe, I mean, Jordan Cairo has a little bit of an edge on him points-wise. He's getting close, though, to Mm -hmm. surpassing him, and he's played fewer games than him. Well, maybe he can be the catalyst tonight to allow the Blues to get a win. They are in much need of one. We have, coming up next... At 7.15, it is time for Sick of It. Get your text into 314-399-9646. Tell us what you're sick of. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back to the opening drive, joined by Brooke Grimsley. I'm Kerry Davis, and it is time for Sick of It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. And Brooke, you know what I'm sick of? What? I am sick. I, I, I'm, I'm, you, oh, I'm yes. Listen, I am you're getting, sick. You're getting ready. Just, just say it, Kerry. I messed up. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, I'm not worried about you. The, actually, the Cardinals do play today versus <laughs> Nicaragua <laughs> at 12 o'clock on Bally's, I believe. Here we go. But I am sick of people pretending that if they were at their job and there was someone getting paid more than them that was not as good as them at their job, they would be okay with it. People pretend, oh, he's he's making a million dollars. He shouldn't have any complaints. No. If you're getting paid $50,000 and the person who does half the work as you do gets paid $100,000, you're going to be very upset. Or, Brooke, if you are a person that works a job and then other people 
stop working as much and you take over their jobs, mm -hmm. you would want to get paid for those other jobs that you add on to yours. That sounds like you're being kind of an elitist. I am telling you that if I work, I want to be paid my worth. And those that pretend that Mr. Lamar Jackson does not deserve his funds are out of their minds. That's just my personal opinion. You would not want to go to work every day knowing that you're better than someone at your position and they're making more than you. Just wouldn't be, wouldn't you wouldn't stand up for it. You would not be able to go through your day knowing that that's the case. That's, I think that's fair because especially it's almost like it reminds you of elementary school with the group projects or even high school. You still did those, right? Oh, yeah. With the group projects. And then all of a sudden you're the one that's putting together, you know, the well, presentation, uh, the slideshow. And then the other people are like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, they sure that looks good. No, I want to hear your <laughs> input because we're all getting we're all going to get a grade here. I need I need you to pull your weight. So I 100 percent agree with you that there's nothing more frustrating than that. And then also seeing people just kind of doing the bare minimum and still getting by and yeah. still getting the same respect as you. Oh, yeah. It's very frustrating when yeah. you work your butt off, do everything you're supposed to do. And someone else just kind of coasts in and, you know, they're on the same level. Yeah, okay, I'm you with you on that. that one. All right. This is what I'm sick of. This has been an ongoing saga for me. Just about every single day, I've been trying to find a Team Japan Lars Newbar jersey, <laughs> and I cannot freaking find one. I feel like I'm going to have to go to some like sketchy website, get my credit card information stolen to get a Lars Newbar jersey. I even found the Team Japan store, all right? Because I want specifically, they're playing, Team Japan's playing right now, by the way, if mm -hmm. you guys want to watch in the World Baseball Classic against China, and I specifically want this jersey with the pinstripes because it looks freaking amazing, and I cannot find it anywhere. I go to the Team Japan store, it's sold out, and then Fanatic supposedly has, you know, Team Japan jerseys. You go to their website, it's t-shirts. Oh, no. I don't want a t-shirt. You want the actual jersey. Oh, I want the actual are, jersey. Jerseys are awesome. I want the actual okay, jersey. Okay, okay. That's what I want. So I'm sick of it being so hard to find one. It can't be we that hard. We gotta get hard. in touch with Lars Newbar. You know what? We'll, we'll be at, at opening day and maybe he can just get you one retroactively. He, Brooke, it, it will be after the I gotta World find Baseball one. Classic. Brooke, alternate idea. What if I just get you a pepper grinder with a Japanese flag on it? Uh, I'll take that too. Right, cool. It's not this. the same though. It's not, this. but I still want a Lars Newbar jersey that's from Team Japan. It looks so freaking cool. Anywho. I think this one's funny because it has nothing to do with sports, but it's fantastic anyway. 573, sick of it. Brides with ridiculous requests for wedding cakes. This is a bakery with ovens, <laughs> not magic. <laughs> I, 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 one thing I learned Good for you, at an early you know what, age. You need a place to say that. Good for I, you. I learned this at an early age. <laughs> and, and I say this with all due respect. Shut up, smile, and nod. No, no, no. Brides and wedding days are it, its some of the most intense moments in a woman's life. My aunt was the sweetest woman you would ever meet in life. No curse words, nothing would not disrespect you. Praise the Lord. She was just an awesome woman. On her wedding day, she was a completely, I, I walked away. I had to get away. I was 13 years old, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't even know this lady. Never met her before. Not a day in my life. She was a new person. And so at 13, I realized that wedding days for women and the lead up to the wedding days for women are yeah, a bit. You, you, you be careful. Yeah, and also, can I just say, now, no offense. It seems like this guy's also kind of in the camp of, like, ridiculous wedding cakes are insane. Just the f sheer fact, because I'm about to plan a wedding here soon, 
just realizing how freaking expensive everything is and the expectations now. Back, I feel like a long time ago when my parents got married, you got married in a church basement yep. and it was like a potluck and that was it. They threw rice at each other. You can't do that anymore because it like kills the birds or something. But oh, anyways, but, it, but I felt like things were so much simpler. Now the expectation is I better have appetizers, like meals, like an open bar, a wedding cake that costs like an insane amount of money. Why can't I just go to the grocery store and just pick up like a Whole Foods cake? You know, one of those like white Whole Foods cakes that are really good. Right. Just serve that to people. It's going to be better than this giant cake that's probably dry. You know, I am. Never I am a dry piece of, of wedding cake in my entire life. I am of the mindset that, you know, weddings are for everyone else and not the people that are actually getting married. Yes. And so I dial it back a little bit. You just uh, dial it back a little I only, bit. I only have one thing when it comes to wedding cakes. Stop putting fruit in it. Oh, I'm I don't so, think I'm I've sorry. had that I've never I'm seen that. Stop, stop putting fruit in your wedding cake. Just keep it to strictly cake and icing. We're all out here. <laughs> We've all had a few. The meal was a little heavy. I don't also need like a raspberry jam with my icing in my cake. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm with sick you on of, that one. I'm <laughs> sick of it. People who drive in the left lane doing five under the speed limit. Hey. Yes. Classic. Why is that a yeah. thing here in St. Louis? It feels like it's wine. specifically here in St. Louis. Oh, Why? No, it's, it's everywhere, but it's because people are dumb. <laughs> oh no. Okay, I'm not saying I my whole thing is I've never I've never seen it as much as here where people will just hang out in the left lane. Left lanes are meant for passing. They are. And, and also emergency vehicles and yeah. they will just camp out in that left lane and you're like and they they have no clue. They're frustrated yeah. as you mentioned there. Yeah. And you're like, "No, sir or ma'am. Get out of that the way. Is, that is not where you're supposed to be. Go all the way to the right lane. Yeah. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I, I often Brooke feel as though we should have bumper cars for situations like that. So you can give them just a little <laughs> nudge. Still swap a little paint and, and go about your day. That, I could see where that could go really bad, honestly. I could see where that could go bad, possibly. Hey, somebody else said somebody else is Somebody else says, I'm sick of it. People weaving in and out of traffic trying to get where they're going on the highway going 15 over the speed limit. There is a happy medium between those two. I'll agree. Yeah, there, there, there is. is. I mean, there are times on Highway 70 where you just got to be careful. Going, I'm telling you. Yeah. You got to be careful. You got to watch out for a black Tesla with a yellow T. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, what are we doing here? Huh? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sam. Hey, it's it's the wind on that bridge, Carrie. It's the wind on that bridge. That's what not, it you're, is. Not, you're not making conscious decisions. It's yes. not your fault. I mean, come on. Cur- cur- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some, uh, we have somebody to try and do it on the wedding cake debate. By the way, they said do cupcakes to the wedding. That mm. is a thing that I've seen a lot of people do. Somebody uh, also said it is everywhere. It is everywhere. I I don't disagree with you. I just think I just wish that people would get. Look, I'm fine with you making like a little mistake where you're like, oopsie, I didn't realize I was in the left lane going the speed limit or less than the speed limit. But when you just camp out there and there is a row of cars behind you, <laughs> like, what are you, how are you not self-aware? They, they, That's um, my I, question. I, they're, just, they're just driving. A texture does make a good point. Missouri doesn't require drivers at in high school. And that's probably a big reason why. Is that what it is? They don't yeah, anymore. They don't require drivers at? No. Never, no, it, they don't I require drivers at. I might be old, man. Mm-mm. We had drivers at. We no had way. to have it. That was I, my 
my favorite class in high school. Yeah, definitely. You get the simulator. You <laughs> the get to go in the car with the driver has the the passenger has the brake on it. And yeah, you hit the brake. Whoa, what's going on here? Most drivers that I ever had is they put us in like a go kart with like these goggles, and they were like, "This is why you shouldn't drunk drive." This is oh, we like. had that. That too. was the yeah. only. Like semblance of drivers that yeah. I ever I ever got in school. Sick of it. Sports personalities comparing people working paycheck to paycheck jobs scenarios to people making hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's a job. See, here's the thing, Rock. This is the part that that always got me when oh, I no was way. when I was no. an athlete. People are like, what do you do? You just play football, right? You just go to you just go to work, and it's not work. You go to practice. You just go to play football. I, I, I got to get up. I got to go sleep. I got to wake up and go to work in the morning. You don't work. You play football. No, I have a job. I go to said job at 7 a.m. I sit in meetings. 80% of your day in football is meetings. 20% is football. Lifting, uh, maybe 70 to 30%. Majority of your day is in meetings, watching film, learning learning the, the, the oppositions, what they do well, what they do poorly. It is a J-O-B. It does not matter what you're doing. If you're if you're working in a job, you expect to be paid what you should be paid. It's my personal opinion. Yeah. Market dictates what the market dictates. Indeed. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Coming up next, we have our great friend Greg Amzinger joining us on the Air Comfort Service text line. That's next on the opening drive. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy Carricker is out for the week. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and talk to our great friend, MLB Network lead anchor, Greg Amzinger. Greg, how you doing this morning? Oh, uh, you know, my, my voice, my vocal cords have seen better days. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to guess that this is how Randy Carricker sounds this morning because I got him tickets to that exhibition USA San Francisco Giants game oh, yesterday. Yeah. And when Goldie went yard, I'm going to guess that Randy spilt his Dr. Pepper and started yelling <laughs> like this. So, um, yeah, I, I, this is how I sound every year. 
when I get back from spring training because it's not just the players you catch up with. It's the media. It's it, it are the guys that work the grounds crew. You get to know so many people in the game that I don't ever shut up, and this is the <laughs> aftermath of me being a chatty Cathy. Greg, uh, the World Baseball Classic has started and, and is going. Adam Wainwright, one of the Cardinals that is attending and participating, what are your thoughts about him and, and his rough start early this season? Well, I look, I, I think there's a reason why Mark DeRosa, who, again, a former Cardinal, is managing this team, uh, is having Adam Wainwright go game one to start this entire tournament. He trusts Adam Wainwright. There are certain guys, when it comes to the art of pitching, you don't pay attention to early exhibition innings. You don't pay attention to the radar gun or the spin rate, and they don't care. And I was talking to Adam. His confidence is as high as it's ever been. And he's actually, I mean, he's always in great shape. He does a great job. Uh, there's a reason he's so plain in his 40s. But he looks stronger this year than he did last year. Like, he looks, like, muscular-wise. And I told him that. He looks, he looks great. So I, he does not worry about anything and he will get on that mound come Saturday and be ready to throw something out of his right hand that will get Great Britain out and Mark DeRosa believes that he will do that and he's not worried about his game one starter. Greg, I know we have to talk about a, a guy that you have been talking about. I've been listening to you on MLB Network, and you've been really hyping him up. And Cardinals fans are just so excited to see him, and he's been killing it this spring training. I think I know who you, I think you know who I'm talking about with Jordan Walker. It seems like he has get, been given so many tests so far this spring training, and is just passing all of them with flying colors. What do you think will be kind of the final test or test that he needs to pass in order for the Cardinals to say, we got to have this guy on our opening day roster? Yeah, look, at the, the Cardinals are up against it. I mean, it's kind of like the perfect storm, right, with the World Baseball Classic. Lars Newbar is going to be busy playing. Uh, O'Neal's busy playing. So it's an opportunity for this guy to, to get a lot of that bat in the spring. If he continues to hit like this, I mean, this is reminiscent of Chris Bryant trying to make the Cubs big league roster when he was the, you know, can't miss prospect. And all Chris Bryant did was hit over 400 that spring and lead all of spring training home runs. Jordan Walker's kind of on pace to do the same thing right now, hitting 429. It's ridiculous. Three homers, seven RBIs, OPS over 1,100. If he continues to do this, I don't see how with the new CBA that we have, and that there is incentive for teams to break camp with prospects that they believe, if they get enough at-bats, would finish in the top three of Rookie of the Year voting. And if they do that, you get compensation picks. So it behooves the organization to actually play this guy, right? So that's not what happened with Chris Bryant. It was all about control, and the Cubs wanted to make sure they nickel and dime this guy to keep him in a Cubs uniform as long as they could, and ended up kind of fraying the relationship between Bryant and the Cubs. I, I think if he continues to swing like this, and we do not see a flaw in Jordan Walker's game, I don't know how the Cardinals – and I was on the other side of this. I, I, I didn't see why the Cardinals – would break camp with him on the opening day roster because they've got outfield depth. They're going to use it. But if the best player, the best hitter on the team, looks like it's this kid from Georgia, <laughs> John Mozilla wants to win more than anybody else, he's going to break camp with this guy in the lineup. He's swinging his way into the Cardinals' opening day lineup. So then, in your opinion, who do you think that that leaves out in the outfield? 
I think Newt Barr is going to be on the outside looking in. And I'm a big fan of his. I like the way he plays. Uh, these guys become a fan favorite in St. Louis because, you know, his tail's wagging so hard when he plays. He loves being out there, and I'm a big fan of guys like that. I really am. Remember Rex Hudler? Oh, my goodness. I couldn't wait to watch Rex Hudler run things down in a Cardinal uniform. He carried that on throughout his career. He does that now in the booth uh, doing games for the Royals. But Lars Newpar has got that love of the game in him, right? And I, that's a great thing. But from a talent perspective, you go around the outfield. I know there are a lot of people that are down on Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is a mega talent. Dylan Carlson's a former first-round pick. And this kid, Jordan Walker, he's also a first-round pick as well. I just think that the cream rises and Lars Newpar will be a fourth outfielder that Jordan Walker continues to progress like this. Greg, I got to tell you, when you said Lars Newbar would be the odd man out, Brooke almost fell out of her chair. She she was <laughs> holding on for dear life to, to hear that Lars would be the one, be the odd man out. Because so many people think Dylan Carlson's kind of washed up. I mean, I remind Cardinal fans right now that Dylan Carlson has played three years in the big leagues and Aaron Judge was just cutting his teeth in the big leagues at the same age that Dylan Carlson is right now. Mm. We are so used to prospects getting to the big leagues, and we want them to play like Mike Trout. And if they don't play like Mike Trout, we're like, ah, well, maybe you're Julio Rodriguez. Oh, you're not? Oh, okay. Maybe you're Fernando Tatis Jr. We, oh, maybe you're Juan Soto. We expect all these guys at the age of 20, 21, 22 to, to like, figure it out. But you know, there are great players who needed five years in the big leagues to kind of get their bearings. You just don't find a talent like Dylan Carlson come around very often. And I still believe in him. A switch hitter who's got that smooth, easy style of play, reminiscent of Jim Edmonds in the day. I just think Dylan Carlson's oozing talent. And you don't want to ruin that relationship. Not saying you're going to ruin the Lars Newpar relationship, uh, but I think Lars Newpar understands what he's up against. One of the top prospects in the game is on fire, and he's a physical specimen, 6'5", 230, and there just aren't many guys like Jordan Walker right now. So if he's on the outside looking in, how can you complain? So uh, he's going to have to have a huge WBC, come to camp, and put the finishing touches on a great performance to push Walker off that starting lineup. We're talking with MLB Network lead anchor Greg Amzinger. And Greg, we've been talking a lot about the outfield competition, but not much about the infield competition, specifically at second base. Uh, Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan seem to be battling it out there. Brendan Donovan had a two-for-three day yesterday with a home run. Gorman went 0-for-4 with three strikeouts. What are you seeing in that competition, and who do you think comes out of it? I think Donovan's going to get the job. Uh, he, he looks more comfortable at second base. Now, his versatility adds value there, so you're going to see Gorman play some second. But platooning the DH role is where I think the Cardinals want to go, and having Gorman be a left-handed bat in that DH spot is going to make them a better, more lengthy lineup. With the new rules and the inability to shift anymore, I just think you need someone whose footwork and range looks like it's league average, and that's Brendan Donovan right now. I think Gorman could get there eventually, but you just can't. You can't have a lot of hits getting into that hole on the right side. And you got to have a guy who can finish the double play. So I, I think Tommy Edmond has a lot to say with this, guys. That's the, that's the part of this that no one's really talking about. You know, Tommy Edmond is a trusted soldier uh, in, that, in that locker room, in that dugout for the Cardinals. And he's working with both of these guys. And when they meet with him and go, hey, who do you like as your double play partner? Who do you see the instincts-wise on every pitch? You know, 
who's covering all that kind of stuff. Who are you more comfortable with? If whoever he says is going, that's going to weigh on the minds of the guys making these decisions. So uh, Tommy Edmonds, he, he's the guy at short. I think it's going to be Brendan Donovan. His odd base is ridiculous. It's really good, and he knows how to do that. Uh, but he looks more natural at the moment at second base. But Gorman is trending in the right direction. You talked about DH. Who do you see potentially being the DH for the Cardinals? Gorman obviously had a rough day yesterday. Moises Gomez has, has had some struggles. Uh, Claiborne said he has a hole in his swing. And then you have Juan Yepes, who, who hasn't done especially great so far this spring training. Who do you see as potentially being DH for the Cardinals? Well, of all those guys that you named, there's only one future first ballot Hall of Famer that compared himself to one of those guys. Yeah. That's Albert Poole saying, Juan Yepes reminds me of me. And the Cardinals know the talent this kid has. You're going to give him as many at-bats as possible. He will DH this year. I don't care what his spring stats are. Mm-hmm. He's going to break the scene. He will DH against even right-handed pitching on some days. They want to develop him and become a middle-of-the-order threat. So don't get too lost in the in the failures and successes of spring training. We love it right now because it's working for Jordan Walker. But the Cardinals have incredibly high hopes for Juan Yepes. So he, to me, is a shoe-in to be that right-handed bat from the DH perspective for the Cardinals. I think it's a Gorman-Yepes thing, really. And that's pretty damn good. For, I mean, two young guys that have an incredible upside – that's a, that's a solid designated hitter spot in the Cardinals lineup. Greg, is there a player that you think that we should be talking about that you think is not getting enough hype right now? Oh, that's good. I, I think Matthew Libertor could be a really dangerous weapon out of the bullpen. And I know he doesn't want to hear that. He <laughs> wants to be a starting pitcher, and I understand why he does. I get it, I get it, I get it. But there's a chance because of his funky mechanics and his slider that he could be the difference maker in the bullpen for a Cardinal team that wants, that has high aspirations, a team that doesn't just want to win the Central. They want to go and compete against the powers of the NL East and the NL West and win it all. You need a Andrew Miller type of weapon in a bullpen. And right now, the Cardinals have good stuff in the back end, but they don't have that middle guy, that high-leverage middle guy. And as I watch him work this spring and I, as I watch other guys, I think Matthew Liberator is his upside for this this season would be a, a a strikeout machine in the bullpen. Now that that remains to be seen whether or not they want to develop him that way, maybe get him more innings and stretch him out as a starter in the minor leagues. And his agent has a lot to say with this as well. I'm going to guess getting the chance to know Matthew Liberator, who I think, by the way, is the next Adam Wainwright personality of the St. Louis Cardinals. If you've never met this young man, he's one of the most impressive young people you'll ever meet. Um, I think he wants to break camp with the team, and I think he wants to be a significant part of it. And If he's in the bullpen, he could be an all-star. That's how good Liberatore could be as reliever. Greg, last question for me. When we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, you said you had a few text messages about the top 100. Any more, any more messages or emails about uh, disgruntled players reaching out to you? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, actually, believe it or not, Kerry, I'm not kidding you. They they actually signed off. They signed off. Good. A lot of players came up to me and they're like, it was a good list. I like the list. Do you know who else said that to me? Paul Goldschmidt said that to me. Wow. Yeah, he walks up and he goes, 
you guys do a good job on all those award shows. Uh, granted, he just won the MVP. It was, just funny, by the way. it was funny because I was interviewing him and Nolan Arenado together for the WBC, and he goes, Nolan doesn't want to hear that, but I thought the shows were great. And Nolan's laughing, he didn't care. But he also mentioned that the Top 100 is a great show, and that he really enjoyed watching it. And there were a couple other guys that, uh, that were lukewarm on where they were ranked. But we were doing interviews for other shows that made my top 100 show like the least polarizing of them all. The number of listen to the show they're doing. A Sony reveal show. I'm not hosting this. This is Robert Flores. Where you it, we're interviewing superstars going, do you think you know what your overall score is? What your overall rating is in the new PlayStation game? And I, I, CJ Crone goes, uh, 88. And our producer goes, no, it's 81. Oh, I'm like, I'm like watching these interviews. I'm like, what is this? This is terrible. Oh yeah. And, then, and, then, and so Chris Bryant comes out and now I got to go. Chris Bryant comes out and I, I and, and I'm like, Hey, what is his overall score? You're going to do this interview with him, right? She's like, yeah, his overall rating is a 70. I go, don't oh. ask him the question. And she's like, what we have to do? And I'm like, oh. no, I got to interview him afterwards. Oh. Don't, don't irritate him. Yeah. Don't tell him he's a 70. Yeah. Come on. Greg, as a, as a former player, I can tell you those rankings and those scores are very inaccurate at times. I, I never <laughs> agreed with mine. <laughs> what was your best? What was your best score, though? I think like a 78. And I, I was very frustrated with that overall rating. I, I, I'm, a, I'm at least an 84 at, at, at <laughs> bare minimum. Real quick. Don't the, guys, don't the guys in the locker room talk about it? Oh, they yeah. Talk about it. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely a topic of conversation. <laughs> it's unbelievable that these guys care. But they care about their video game rating. We definitely do. My top do. 100 show did not get under their skin as much as the video <laughs> game rating. All right, Greg, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, that was fun. Take care, guys. <laughs> Thanks, you too. That was MLB Network lead anchor Greg Amziger joining us. Coming up next, it's time for Tioli. Get your texts in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO! I just want to make you feel a little bit better, Carrie. There's Guys will have like... A thousand yard receiving season. Yeah, I, and they will turn on Madden, and they will be a seventy eight. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm just here's the here's the here's the bad part. Here's the here's the here's the bad part. When kids like kids that I coach, like they would go back and find the old game, and you are seventy eight. Oh, you're terrible. Hey, no, not the hell, I'm not. I'm really good. That's a terrible rating. Seventy eight. Seventy eight is a C. Rock. That listen. 84. If you have an average bare minimum. Average a, average Madden roster, <laughs> you got a couple guys starting who are in the high 70s. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Gary. Yeah, some of these people don't know what they're doing. TL hey. is next. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your texts in to 314-399-9646. It is time for Take It or Leave It. Brooke, Rock, Greg Amziger just was on with us 
last segment, and he said he believes Juan Yepes will be the DH for the team this year, him and Nolan Gorman. Take it or leave it. If Juan Yepes has a year identical to what Pujols had last year, the Cardinals are in at least the NLCS. Oh, I'm going to take that. If he has what, if you're saying... If he has the year. Because there's, there's a lot to this. If he has the same season as Albert Pujols, which Greg mentioned that even Albert Pujols said that he sees yeah. a lot of himself in Yepes, then theoretically, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take that. Now, Yepes, I, he's not going to be your DH all the time. That's for sure. I, I, I think Gorman has made a case where even there will be days that even Brendan Donovan, he mentioned, will be mm-hmm. DHing as well. So I'll be interested to see how they split that up and how many reps he will actually get as the Cardinals DH. We'll see. All right. Take it or leave it. City SC will win again this weekend against Portland. They're on the road. They're on the road. And look, some of these games have been really interesting at the beginning, but City SC always finds a way to pull through. I think a lot of people are saying that these goals are just lucky. I don't think Mm. it's luck. I think it's their high-pressing style, wearing teams down. I think that they will win their third straight, and it's very rare. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure somebody will. That I think only one other team... One other expansion team in league history has started out 3-0. and And I think City SC will be the second to do so. Uh, I'll take it. I'll You're take all it. in. You're all, all in, in on City SC. 3-0-0. And City SC is rocking and rolling. No pun intended. They're rock. Appreciated that. Somebody <laughs> said take it or leave it. St. Louis City SC scores two goals against Portland this weekend. But then there's more to that one. Because I saw that one, too. They said they score two, but then they lose. Ah. I wasn't going to bring up the negative part. Jeez. Well, you can't leave out there <laughs> well, yeah, full take it or leave it. When I bring up the slightest <laughs> bit of negativity, it's like, oh, see, Rockio thought they were going to lose. Always, but, that's, they but, but it's not you. The, the positive the part. But it's not you doing it. Because that would be like me saying, oh, that was a great interview with Greg, Greg Amsinger. He definitely didn't say any ne- <laughs> anything negative about Lars Newbar. We're just going to exclude that part. Uh, you know, that would be like me doing that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not I'm not about to put negative city thoughts on wax for these jackals. Then don't read it then. I'll take it at I least like two goals. Part. I like the first part. The first at part least was good. Two. I'm going to agree with the first part and then oh. I'm not. What? You okay? There's nothing. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with the second part because I saw the second part and that goes against with my own take it or leave it. <laughs> so that's how I feel about that. We have two uh, very controversial and, and, and uh, diametrically opposed take it or leave it. Somebody says take it or leave it. Team USA will fail miserably at the WC, WBC. And somebody else says this is the most talented Team USA roster ever. <laughs> so one of those you got to take one, and one of those one you got to leave. One of them is right and one of them is wrong. Or there's right? a middle ground between the two or they're just a solid squad that doesn't lose. Um, I, I like their roster. I, I'm going to take the, the positive it's route. It's insane. The top yeah. five of the, the top yeah. five of the lineups insane. Their, I'm going to take, take it as well. I'm route. not going to bet against that many Cardinals players too in there. Yeah, love that they have Goldie and Arnado batting uh, right next to each other. That you made have when, to. I, when I saw that lineup, I was like, good. Don't 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 be messing with our chemistry. <laughs> they have that I'm perfect one-two punch. Take it or leave it. Michael Jeffrey Jordan's still angry about his 99 rating in 2K23. Take it. <laughs> I mean, 100 is the number he was looking Here's for. Here's the thing. 2K did <laughs> 2K did one year. They gave Devin Hester a 100 speed rating Yeah, when he was like the king of returns. I see no reason why NBA couldn't, uh, for maybe Michael and maybe like two other players, make them 100, you think? Yeah, yeah 100. 
So you think like Kareem? Yeah. 100. LeBron? Uh, eh. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Take your oh, this is I'm gonna step away as I read this yeah. one. Take it or leave it. Suggs, Reed, and Lewis better than Troy Palomalu, Porter, and Watt. Leave it. So so Reed or Palomalu? Right off the bat, Reed or Palomalu? They're, they're two different safeties. Okay. One's a free safety. One's a strong safety. You're not but wrong. They, they they play two different positions. But I would take Troy. Okay, and this is where he a gets reason. a little. This is where he gets a little off because he picked a middle linebacker and a pass yeah. rusher for the. He picked uh, two Ravens. outside linebackers. He picked two outside. Ravens. But let's for just the, say. The, but let's just Steelers. let's compare the level. Watt or Lewis? Um, you can't compare them. Watt or Suggs? I'm taking Watt. Okay, well, I was gonna say Suggs or Porter. You're taking I, Joey Porter. I'm taking. I'm You're taking, taking your I'm boy. Taking You're not taking T Sizzle over your boy. I'm taking James Harrison, Levon Kirkland. There's... I'm taking Jack Ham, <laughs> Jack Lambert, Donnie Shell. No, this is not, I'm taking this Mel ridiculous. Blunt. I'm taking all of them. Dick LeBeau is the defensive coordinator. You know how... Name them. We got them. Taking all of them. Randy would be just like cheering. <laughs> So loudly right now, he'd be just like pumping up carry for this right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Take it or leave it. The Blues are subconsciously trying to get that better pick in the draft lottery. Stop trying. No, it. it's, the players are playing their butts off. I, 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 well, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think some guys what I, are. What I mean is, they are trying to play hard. They're not trying to lose. They're, yeah. not, they're not going out there with the mindset, oh, we need to tank so we can get a better draft pick. Not the players. They don't They don't care about anybody being drafted to come right now. They're, they're on the team. Exactly. Take it or leave it. St. Louis City SC needs an actual team name other than St. Louis City SC. That's not how it works in Why? the soccer world. Actually, here's the thing. Technically, it is. You look up every single European team, and they all of them have unofficial nicknames. That so come, would that you, come, what would you come up with, Rob? I'm not about the soccer. No, uh, I'm, I'm the soccer I'm, head that you are. What, what would you? What nickname would you? I'm, the no, Archies. I'm, I'm leaving the my. Archies? I'm leaving the my. Archies. No, yeah, I'm, I'm abstaining from this argument. Archies. You know, you I, I want to know you your know, opinion. You don't know like the insular argument that already is in the fan base. People are already <laughs> angry, man. I'm not getting what, into what this. What names have they come up with? Uh, there's a group of people because of the new restaurant that opened. Some people want the mascot unofficial nickname to be the Hellcats. Okay. I'm more partial to the dogs. The dogs? Yeah. The dogs. D-O-G or D-A-W-G? D-O-D. We're not, this is not Cleveland. We're just the dogs, all right? We don't uh, got to play with any of that. We're not <laughs> oh messing with God. that. We're not messing with that Cleveland stuff, no, all right? I, We're trying it, to win championships here, Carrie, all right? Is it, is, so it's. <laughs> this right. is what I, I like this one. St. Louis Ravioli bo- Boys. I hate that so much. I love it. I hate it. that so much. I love it. it. Oh, that infuriates me every time I see it. I oh. love that. The Ravioli Boys? I hate this Come so on. That's amazing. That is amazing. I love this city, but I would just, I would love to go to other cities and not have to tell people that one of our things we're most well known for is that we dip raviolis and, and fry them. Like, and we don't even like that's. Is I'd that, like that, something is a that little not bit a good cooler. Thing? No, I mean it's fine, but I'd like something you know to. I like that to be like the, I mean, the six or seven the thing on the bowl point list. It's delicious, but yeah, come on, what's now. the problem? I can only I can only take so many boxes <laughs> you, of Louisa you, with me <laughs> when I fly away. Oh, guys, I have a quick take it or leave it because I just remembered this. We were discussing this yesterday. Take it or leave it. In a pickleball tournament, shows against show, the 
opening drive would 100% right away with a victory. And we got called that's out. That's against BK yeah, for we, it. That's we, against we, the we fast lane. Out. Yeah, we, we're going we're to talk we about this later. The, the fast other, lane yesterday. Yesterday, Andrew uh, Marsh oh, oh, in yeah. his... Uh, his sports six-pack. <laughs> Original name there, champ. Uh, he called us out about this pickleball game. In fact, they left us a message on our in-studio whiteboard that yeah. I shared with Carrie and Brooke. They're mm-hmm. trash-talking a little bit. And listen, they one thing they talked about, Carrie, and I'm just going to give you guys a little preview. One thing they talked about is that they have uh, professional athletes on their show. Uh, um, and I was like... <laughs> Carrie, I know mean, you don't like to do it, but you might, okay. have to, you might have to break over the safety deposit box and bring, I might in, have to bring, bring in some bring hardware. Out some jewelry and just... show <laughs> that I too was once a professional athlete. In case you forgot, <laughs> Mr. Stalter and Mr. Rivers, let's get Mr. Marsh. And just in case you all forgot who you're talking to, here's the, here's the real thing. Hey, Marshy Marsh. I bet Kerry's a better rapper, too. Uh, Take it or leave it. Last one. Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker hit 20 or more home runs at the MLB level this year. Uh, I'm Gorman. So, was he at 14 last year? Is he going to get enough opportunities? He's going to get more at-bats this year. I firmly believe if he's hitting like this, Nolan Gorman with the DH will get more at-bats than he did last year. But if he's splitting, uh, you know, time with, with... Juan Yepes, what are, what are we looking at there? So last year in 283 at-bats, he hit 14 home runs. So you're thinking so 350 he, at-bats this year? Close, yeah, 350. Yeah, I don't think it'll be 400. No. I think it's feasible. I'll leave it. It's going to be close. I'll take it for Jordan. I'll leave it for, for Nolan. He might be around 18, which is still pretty good. What are you doing, spirit fingers? What's going on here? Oh, we're just... <laughs> <laughs> just in my jacket. Don't be calling me out like that. Spirit fingers. <laughs> he, he, he was, that's how he agrees with takes now, is spirit fingers. <laughs> Thank you, Rock. Get us our cameras. Yeah, we were waiting on them. The Cardinals are still looking for some left-handed help in the bullpen. Zach Thompson, Thompson had a pretty good day yesterday. We'll talk about it more when we return on the opening drive. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. I 
think Matthew Libertor could be a really dangerous weapon out of the bullpen. But there's a chance because of his funky mechanics and his slider that he could be the difference maker in the bullpen for a Cardinal team that wants, that has high aspirations. A team that doesn't just want to win the Central. They want to go and compete against the powers of the NL East and the NL West and win it all. You need a Andrew Miller type of weapon in a bullpen. And right now, the Cardinals have good stuff in the back end, but they don't have that middle guy, that high leverage middle guy. That was Greg Amzinger from earlier today talking about Matthew Libertor and really the depth that is needed from the left-handed side in the bullpen for the Cardinals. He believes Matthew Libertor could be a star in that role. And, Brooke, we're looking for some guys that are going to be able to help, you know, come come this season to help out in, in that role from a left-handed side, from a left-handed reliever side of it. Yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting because that's something that for some reason I – like was considering but I know how much he wants to be a starter so Mm -hmm. I thought it was great that Greg also touched on that that he knows that Matthew Libertor wants to be a starter of course Um, but this could be a huge opportunity for him even compared him to Andrew Miller as well and Libertor in his first spring training start he pitched two perfect innings innings and that was last week He's been very impressive so far this spring training, and I could really see him fitting into that. I just pulled up last Friday. We actually did kind of our predictions, picks for what a eight-guy bullpen will look like. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Libertor in there, and now I'm kind of kicking myself, <laughs> especially after Greg's, Greg Amsinger brought that up. And I'm looking at it. Zach Thompson, I think, is a lefty that you have to have in there, right? Mm -hmm. I have Connor Thomas in there as well. And this is my own kind of predictions I did last week. And I have Hennessy's Carrera as the other lefty. Now, I'm 100% all in on putting Matthew Libertor in there. He, he, it feels like he would fit in perfectly as kind of like a middle guy, high leverage situation, Mm -hmm. especially if this is what's going on with him this spring training and he looks the way that he does now, why would you not want that in your bullpen, especially as a lefty? Yeah, you want a guy that can come in in those high-leverage situations and uh, get out. And if he's a guy that is has potential to be a starter, has potential to be as, as good as Greg Amziger thinks he can be, you definitely need him on your roster and in your bullpen. I guess the question would be if he's not starting or, or not pitching – you know, every fifth day, he's going to be pitching a lot, but not doing the, the starting rotation type of deal. Do you want him as a starter for your future? And can you, you know, keep him here as a as a reliever in that reliever role if he's not going to be that starting pitcher? Oh, 100%. I, I think that the way that he, that he has been, and if he's able to continue that way, then I say, yeah, 100%, you're going to have him in your bullpen. He's going to be there. And also, how many times have we seen guys that, you have injuries pop up, especially yep. with your starting rotation. I'm not wanting to see that, of course, but then there that also opens up the possibility for him coming in. But also, we talked about Jake Woodford earlier. To me, Jake Woodford has really pushed himself more into the forefront of being a possibility for if one of those guys goes down in the starting rotation, that he is going to be the one that they look to first out of the two. So now you're looking at, uh, I mean, you got your five starters. You're looking at potentially Libertor and Woodford as uh, guys that can come in and be starters if something goes wrong. If guy has to take a, a couple of days, a, a 10 days on the IL where he's going to miss a start or two. You got guys that can be there here and not have to come up and down from Springfield, from, from AAA to be a part of the team. Exactly. And here's the thing with Matthew Libertor, I think we all saw last year, 
in the majors, he struggled last season. And I think that you still have to wait to see how things go for him this year if he has made some off-season adjustments. And so I think that that would work out perfectly of having him in the bullpen, seeing how he handles those high-leverage situations. And as Greg mentioned, he does have the stuff to be that middle guy, high-leverage situations. And overall, too, and Greg mentioned this as well, is that he has... He's just a great guy. Not saying that that matters and getting you <laughs> into the bullpen or even keeping you in the majors. But with Matthew Libertor, he even has done a lot of breathwork training, um, a lot of meditation training so he can kind of help calm his nerves on the mound. That's something that's a part of his regimen. And I'm interested to see how that pays off for him as well. Are you are you looking at a bullpen with three lefties as opposed to just two? Yes. So you got uh, Cabrera, you got... Take Libertor, out Connor Thomas because I had Connor Thomas. Thompson. Yes. Okay. I, I, I like that idea, and and I think that definitely is a, a good way for the Cardinals to go this year. And by the way, we're going to see Dakota Hudson today starting mm-hmm. for the Cardinals against Nicaragua. So that will be really interesting to see how that goes as well because that's another person you're looking at as a possible— Another starter. Another starter depth yep. right there. It's not— Going to give me the 100% confidence going into the season if it's Libertor as your lefty in the long in the, in the middle role and Hennessy's is your lefty in the, in, the, in the short role. I'm not 100% confident. I like that Greg says that about Libertor, but man, there's going to have to be a big difference between last now season. or yeah, or just <laughs> yes. now with Libertor and a month from now mm-hmm. when you talk about my confidence level going into it. If again, if he's right. I'm good with that. Hey, you got you got Libertor as your lefty in middle in, in those those high leverage situations, two innings long, maybe two and two thirds, and you got Hennessy's for the for you know your your seventh or eighth inning, whichever way you want to play it. I'm fine with that. But man, the the fact of whether or not the the Libertor part happens is still a big question mark that we're going to really have to look into over the next month. Well, he's not the only one. Look, there's a lot of guys who struggled last year that we're we're kind of looking at this season to see if they improved. I my whole thing is. You give him a shot. You you see how he continues to do this spring training. As of right now, I like what I see. And as of right now, it's improved from last year. Now, is he going to struggle in the majors again? Let's hope not. But if he does, it looks like you have plenty of depth. We have plenty of options because, look, I just took out Connor Thomas for his, for his spot. Mm-hmm. Just put Connor Thomas back in there. You have so much right. depth right now that they can kind of play around with and Going back to the competition thing, I think that's only going to bring out the best in these guys, especially for these positions where you can't pencil somebody down or even put it down in marker saying 100%, you're going to get that job. That's yours. These guys know that. None of that stuff is guaranteed for them. Correct. Time check is 814. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Coming up, we have the Blues play-by-play host, John Kelly, we're asking a little bit about the style of play and the changes that have been taking place for the Blues, not only this season, but since 2019. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the opening drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to speak with the voice of the blues for Valley Sports Midwest, our good friend John Kelly. JK, how are you doing today? I'm good, Kerry. How are you guys today? We're doing well. John, I, I wanted to ask you a question. The uh, Coyotes game the other day is played in, in a smaller arena. Can you just tell me what that atmosphere is like? I heard you and Panger talking about where you all were sitting at in comparison to where you normally sit. Uh, what was that environment like in that in that arena? What is that environment like? Well, it, to me, it's like a you know a, a small college rink or a small rink that, that I announced in, in the American Hockey League. It seats about 4,600 fans. Um, there are, are a couple of suites up on the upper level, uh, but basically it's just 13 rows of, of regular seats um, in, in the only bowl in, in the arena. So it's uh, very intimate, obviously, and um, a good atmosphere. And from a broadcaster perspective, Kerry, it's great to, to call a game from, you know, 14 rows off the ice. So um, even though it's not a long-term solution for the Coyotes, quite obviously, um, for the short term, it's it's fun to go there and call games, no question. JK, you know, we're trying to look for some bright spots as the season continues right now. And I know you and I have talked about Jordan Bennington before and his performance this season. I think when you look statistically at how he's done this season, you'd say, wow, this is this is pretty bad, especially the other night giving up six goals on 27 shots. But really, if you're watching the game, you know a lot of those are not on him. How do you think his performance has been this season, especially compared to last year? Well, last year was a different kind of year for, for Jordan. You know, he got off to a good start like the team did, and then for whatever reason, he had a slump midway through the year, and it wasn't just, a, you know, a week or two. He really couldn't find his game for, for almost about, you know, six weeks or so. And then he did play well the last three or four weeks of the season, and obviously – um, came in in the Minnesota series and played well. So I think this year he's been a lot more consistent. Um, you know, his bad games are few and far between. And quite honestly, he's been under siege all season long. This team just does not, for whatever reason, defend very well. And the other night's an example. Brooke, you mentioned that Arizona scored six goals on 27 shots or so. Um, most of the goals were just grade eight chances that Bennington didn't have a chance on. And um, it's tough on goaltenders, obviously, when when you're facing those type of shots every night. But I think overall, generally, I think he's had a much more consistent season and perhaps a better season than he did a year ago. Hey, John, when you are talking about the the goal scored against the Blues, one of those goals against versus the Coyotes was the Clayton Heller goal. And if you take a snapshot right before the goal is made, you can see three of the Blues players, you know, hustling, but maybe not hustling back as hard as they need to to get back into the play. When those types of things are happening and you're the goaltender, how, how do you respond to that in, in a positive manner to keep going forward? Well, you know, Jordan's a team player and a, and a really competitive guy. And, you know, he knows his teammates are trying. Um, but I know the goal you're talking about. And and you're, you're right. You, you had two players racing up the ice and two of their top players. And basically it's a two-on-one break. And the other Blues players are, are sort of chasing the pack. So, you know, that's what I mean by not defending well is when you have top players on the ice, you've got to manage the puck properly and you can't give them odd man breaks. Now, having said all of that, the blues had 42 shots the other night and they had, I think six or so breakaways and only scored the two goals by Butchnevich. So it it was probably, if if you're going to sit there and ask the coaching staff about the game and, you know, aside from the loss, 
probably a too wide open of a game um, where you, you almost trade chances, and that's not the kind of style the Blues really want to get into. Um, but overall, they just didn't defend well enough, and that goal, as you mentioned, was a prime example. John, Pavel Buchnevich has been very impressive, especially coming back from the injured list as well. And he has his point streak going on right now, possibility of seven games straight continuing that. What do you think about his play? I mean, it seems like if there's a guy that you can point to that you can tell is really out there fighting, continuing to try to battle for wins, it's Pavel Buchnevich. Do you think that possibly by the end of the season, he will lead the Blues in points? Because right now he's ahead of Robert Thomas and kind of knocking on the door of Jordan Cairo. Well, the way he's going, there's a good chance, Brooks. So, yeah, he's had a very good season. And I think the Blues down the stretch would like to see him play some center ice. They've used him at center ice a couple of games this season. As a matter of fact, I'm sure you're aware, he was drafted as a center iceman by the New York Rangers, but never played center as a Ranger. Um, but he sees the ice so well. Uh, you know, he scored two great goals the other night, as you said. Um, but really, to me, he always is a pass-first kind of guy and always has his head up trying to find his open teammates. So I, I think that down the stretch, the Blues could experiment with, with Pavel at center ice. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but as you said, he's got points now in, I think, it's six straight games and is playing really well. And he's also battled an ankle infection all year. I assume that it's okay now, but he's missed considerable time, you know, battling that infection that really occurred in a game in a- against Anaheim back in, I think it was um, November. So, it was really a, a troublesome type of injury that lingered. He had, had to have a minor surgical procedure on it. Um, but obviously, he seems to be skating much better here in the last week or so. We're speaking with Voice of the Blues for Bally Sports Midwest, John Kelly. John, the style of play has transi- transitioned from what they were in 2019 to what they are right now. It's no longer you know heavy and, and direct. It's more of a speed game. Does this team and this style of play suit them, and, and can they win this way? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the way the game is going, Kerry. And, you know, the Blues, in the last couple of weeks, they've made the trades and things like that, and they've added guys that have skill and speed, like Jacob Brana and Kasperi Kapanen. So um, I don't think, though, that Blues fans should judge next year's team on, on this year's team right now because they've lost five players. And obviously, Brana and Kapanen both have term left on their contract. You know, Verona played pretty well the other night. He had six shots on goal, um, had a breakaway, and I thought was dangerous all night long. But, you know, can they win that way? Yeah, I mean, that's what the top teams do now. You don't see big, heavy teams anymore. It's, uh, you know, the league is trending more and more every year to speed and skill and things like that. Um, And and obviously, Kapitan and Verona have that. So, um, But, you know, down the road, I think next year's team will look different. How different, I don't know. Um, but obviously, speed and skill will certainly be be a big part of it. You talk about Kapanen and, and Verona. What were your thoughts about the Berube going with the second unit on the power play after the first unit was struggling? You know, I think we were 0 for, 0 for 4 at that point. Well, yeah, they, they really struggled. They were 0 for 6 for the night, and that was really the key to the game. Um, the Blues had that 5 on 3 for about a minute 25 or so and couldn't score a goal. So. Uh, you know, the power play is, is in a real drought. They only have scored power play goals in one game in the last couple of weeks, and that was, ironically enough, against San Jose tonight's opponent. So, you know, anytime 
in a game that you don't get a power play goal or you lose a special teams battle, obviously it's a big disadvantage. And for whatever reason, the number one unit is not getting the job done. To me, they just pass it too much, quite honestly, and they don't get the puck to the net. So if you pass it around the outside and, and look for that perfect shot, oftentimes you don't get it, or when you do, the goaltender makes a save. So uh, I, I think that ideally you want to simplify things and get more bodies to the net and maybe get some ugly goals. Um, but right now, you know, the perimeter play is just not getting it done on the power play. John, as we also still kind of look ahead to next season, do you see the Blues possibly making any moves or moving some guys around, such as especially defensively with Tory Krug and Marco Scandella, do you foresee them still being with the team next season? Well, that's a hard one, Brooke. I mean, there were some rumblings and rumors um, before the deadline that the Blues were looking to move one of their defensemen with term on the contract. And in Pareko's name came up a lot as did Tory Krug. So, you know, is that true? Was it true? I don't know. Um, usually there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, they say, right? Um, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think the Blues need to, to mix something up on the back end and be a better defending team. I talk about this all the time, but it's, it's so glaring to me that they just don't defend well. And it's not only the defensemen. Um, I'm not just blaming the six or seven defensemen, but, you know, maybe it's, it is time to, to, to shake something up and, 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 you know, make, make an ad back there. Um, but who specifically would it be? I don't think even if Doug Armstrong said, well, I'm going to trade one guy right now, he would know because obviously you're not going to make trades right now, but it, it wouldn't shock me if they were to mix things up on the back end a little bit, but having said all that, you know, t- players with term on the contract are tougher to move, obviously, than players with with not as much term. So we'll see what happens in the summer, but it wouldn't shock me if if something did happen. The Blues take on the San Jose Sharks tonight at Enterprise Center. Puck drops at 7 p.m. pregame at 6. John, we'll be listening. We'll be watching. Good luck tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Kerry. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you. That That was John Kelly joining us. And coming up, we have a fight against a fighter from yesterday, Tony. I took a loss. Yes, See did. if I can uh, get this thing going back in the right direction. Randy, Randy said one thing before he left on Friday. He did say one thing. Do not let anyone in the Hall of Fame. He did tell me that, so I got to take care of business today. The fight is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis, who is out in the hallway because you know what time it is. It is time for the fight, and we are welcoming back Tony. Tony, you absolutely killed it last time. How are you feeling today? <laughs> uh, honestly, after yesterday, I feel 
a little better, but who knows? <laughs> let's see what these questions are. <laughs> yeah, if you guys didn't tune in yesterday, Tony came in, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, I feel fine, you know, and really didn't hype himself up as much, but then just absolutely crushed it. Yeah, he, the he first the, person this week to take down Kerry Davis. It was impressive. And he hit the, and he hit the jack on it, too. So, I mean, he's got to be feeling good. And, Tony, the key is do not be confident in your answers because yesterday you were like, I don't know how I did. And me and Brooke kind of exchanged one of those looks. So don't be too confident here, and maybe it'll work out like yesterday. <laughs> we can only help. <laughs> go with gut instinct, there right? All right. We'll go ahead and get started, Tony. Okay. Question number one for you. Jim Beheim will not be returning to Syracuse, closing out his 47-year tenure as head coach of the Orange. When he won the 2003 Final Four title, who was the leading scorer on the team? Is it Hakeem Warwick, Damon Brown, or Carmelo Anthony? Ooh, what year was that? You said 2003. Oh, let's go. Let's go, Carmelo Anthony. All right. On this day in sports history, Major League Baseball awarded an expansion franchise to Tampa Bay. This awarding was partially in response to a failed move by which West Coast team to the Tampa area? Was that the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland Athletics, or the San Diego Padres? Uh, go Oakland Athletics. That's the first one that popped into my head. So, Okay. The Cardinals have had nine different managers for their 11 World Series victories, with only two managers notching multiple wins. Tony La Russa and who else? Whitey Herzog, Billy Southworth, and Joe Torrey. Sorry, I couldn't see that last one. You're good. Uh, I want to say Whitey, but I think he only, I think he only got one. You said Joe Torrey and Billy Southworth. Yes. Uh, let's go, Billy Southworth. All right, the late 80s, early 90s Golden State Warriors Big 3 team nickname was nicknamed Run TMC, and that consisted of Chris Mullins, Mitch Richmond, and which other NBA All-Star? Was that Tom Chambers, Terry Cummings, or Tim Hardaway? Uh, once again, basketball ain't my thing. Uh what was the second one you said, Terry Cummings? Uh, Tom Chambers, Terry Cummings, or Tim Hardaway? Good. Terry Cummings, complete guess. <laughs> All right, we'll double check our answers, and we'll bring in Kerry Davis. All right, Tony. How are you feeling? Did you feel like you went with gut and sync like you did yesterday? Pure gut, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerve-wracking, right? Especially coming back. Were you, did you have any nerves yesterday knowing that you were going to have to come back and follow up that performance? Honestly, not until about 10 minutes ago when I got the text and I was like, all right. All right, time to get locked in, right? <laughs> yep, okay. yep. All right, well, Carrie, you know who this is. You know who this is. This is Tony. Remember good, him? Yeah, I remember Tony. Good morning, Tony. How are you doing, sir? Morning to you, Carrie. I'm, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'll am doing. i be doing better if you didn't get four today. How about that? <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and get started here with question number one. Ready, Carrie? I'm ready. All right. Jim Beheim will not be returning to Syracuse, closing out his 47-year tenure as head coach of the Orange. When he won the 2003 Final Four title, 
who was the leading scorer on the team? Had to. I mean, who else is on the team? It had to be Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go with him. All right, on this day in sports history, Major League Baseball awarded an expansion franchise to Tampa Bay. The awarding of the franchise was partially in response to a failed move by which West Coast team to the Tampa area? Did he say did you say the year? You didn't have the year on there? No, okay. I did not. Okay. 1993, I think. 1993, which failed West Coast I'll double check it for you. Team. So you have the Mariners, you got the Athletics, you got the Giants, you have the Angels. Definitely not going to be the Dodgers. West Coast team. There's two different years, essentially, in the question. There's, oh, there's see, the, oh, here we go. There's the year. There's the year <laughs> nah. where the team. There's the year where the West Coast team failed to move to Tampa Bay, and there's the year where they awarded it to Tampa Bay. Ah, uh, they are so two they're, different they're, years. They're, I'll be honest. But the question is, the awarding the question of the, the awarding of the Tampa Bay Rays was partially because they had failed to move which West Coast team to Tampa Bay earlier. Okay. <sighs> Do you want the options? Not really. Okay. Because I feel like I'm going to need them later. Okay. I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners. All right. Question number three. The Cardinals have had nine different managers for their 11 World Series victories, with only two managers notching multiple wins. Tony La Russa and who else? Oh. Give me the lifeline. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> you said you knew that you would need it, so I don't think you realized how quickly you would need it. So you have Whitey Herzog, Joe Torrey, or Billy Southworth. <laughs> oh. I wish we had uh, So it's not Joe. I don't think it's Joe Torrey. I'm going to go with old Billy Southworth. All right, Carrie, in the late 80s, early 90s, Golden State Warriors' big three nickname was nicknamed Run TMC. Mm-hmm. And it consisted of Chris Mullins, Mitch Richmond, and what other NBA All-Star? Chris Mullins, Rich Mitchman, Rich Mitch Richmond, and the T would be for Tim Hardaway. Carrie, I gotta be I gotta be honest. Your answers were a little shaky for somebody going up against a guy who just hit the jack. Yeah. I'm just saying, he hit the jack yesterday, yeah. and I needed you to come in here. Was it coffee or tea? Is this the uh, problem? Uh, that's cafe. That was, that, that was, that was okay. <laughs> it's coffee. So not even not even a reason to, to criticize it here. Not even a reason to criticize it here. <laughs> Did Carrie take down Tony, or is somewhere Randy Carricker twitching in the desert uh. as a Hall of Fame Spot is up for grabs tomorrow. Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Tony, I'm sorry he got you just on the last one. It's a 3-2 win for Kerry Davis. Tony, you almost got to that coveted third spot. But unfortunately, Kerry gets to sleep a little bit lighter today. Oh, so man. do I. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> let's, let's go through those answers. Who led the 2002-2003 Syracuse Orange in scoring when they won that NCAA title? It was, in fact, Carmelo can you, Anthony. Can you also just say that 
make sure you say that that is correct. Like the NCAA national title. You put in Final Four title on there for question one. NCAA title, Final Four title. They they won the Final Four. We call call the championship the Final Four. They won the Final Four. I don't know how someone's going to have a problem with that definition. (laughs) They won the Final Four in 2003. They won the NCAA championship in 2003. Carmelo Anthony was the leading scorer. Come on, people. On this day in sports history, Major League Baseball awarded an expansion franchise to Tampa Bay. That was prior to the 1998 season. In 1993, they tried to move the San Francisco Giants to Tampa Bay. They declined and eventually they eventually, as recompense, as part of a lawsuit that he tried to sue the uh, MLB for tortious interference or whatever whatever it was, they eventually said, we're going to give you your expansion franchise because they lost the 93 expansion um, to the Marlins, and I'm blanking on the AL team right now off the top of my head. The Cardinals had nine different managers from their 11 World Series victories. Only two managers notched multiple wins. It was, of course, Tony La Russa and Billy Southworth, the other manager to notch two. Everybody else got just one. And the late 80s, early 90s, Golden State Warriors, they called Rum Run TMC, oh, and it yeah. was in fact Chris Mullins, Mitch Richmond, and then Tim Hardaway was the T in yes, Run sir. TMC. That's a 3 2 win for Kerry Davis. Tony, so thank you so much for joining the show, and thank you so much for joining the fight these past two days. Hey, thank you all, but uh, this is no knock on Kerry. I'm not going to lie. It wouldn't have felt the same if I didn't beat Randy, so <laughs> still, I still feel all right about this. <laughs> yeah, but Kerry would have got, got to sign up baseball for the first time in his professional career. It would have been magical. would have been awesome. <laughs> thank, you so, thank you so much, Tony. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Coming up, the college basketball tournaments. ACC, SEC, Big Ten, A10 are all starting up, and we got a couple of local programs getting their start today. We'll talk about it next on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis. And Brooke, we had some uh, some parting People parting the college basketball scenario scene from 47 years in entrenched at Syracuse. One Jim Beheim is leaving after his tenure of, as I said, 47 years being the head coach. Started out there as a player, is done now. We talked about him earlier during the fight, winning the 2003 National Championship and the 2003 Final Four. Uh, Jim Beheim and the Syracuse Orange uh, just did an outstanding job there for the for the Orange. The ACC tournament is still going on. The SEC tournament. Tournament is still going on. Your Mizzou Tigers will play on Thursday, Friday, excuse me, Friday, and play either Tennessee or Ole Miss, who play today at 2 p.m. The Illini play Penn State at 5:30 in the Big Ten tournament. Lost a couple of times to Penn State this year. Um, and your St. Louis Billikens will play 1 p.m. today in the A10 tournament. Uh, Rock, one of the biggest stories in basketball regarding the SEC tournament is Brandon Miller uh, and his whole ordeal and the things that took place. ESPN.com has a story about you know what took place and all of the breaking it down <laughs> in detail how it all took place. But Brandon Miller actually had his first statement about what he's been dealing with and what he's been going through. I never lose sight of the fact um, a family has lost one of their um, loved ones that night. Um, this whole situation is just um, really heartbreaking. Um, but respectfully, uh, I saw him going to be able to say about on that. And for those that don't know, Brandon Miller, the SEC Player of the Year, potentially a top five pick in the NBA draft, was um, 
arrested a while back and, and charged, well, not charged, but one of his teammates was charged with murder, and he was involved in it. He had brought the teammate the gun, and there was some concern that he may have known, willingly known and given the teammate the gun and, and was a, a, a an accomplice in that murder. So there is a lot of things taking place with Brandon Miller, with their head coach, Nate Oates, trying to figure out you know what they're going through and what they've been dealing with in this in this whole ordeal because it's it's really bigger than basketball at this moment but this young man trying to I guess get himself in the right mindset in the right mind frame that to me sounded like a very good um, you know understanding of what he's dealing with and what he's going through and giving condolences to the family that lost a family member hopefully he's he him and the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team are are figuring this out and going in the right direction yeah and like I said everyone should you said everyone should take a look at the uh, article right now on ESPN they had three writers an investigative reporter and two a researcher and a producer so they had six people working on the story it's one of the longer stories I've ever really seen ESPN put up on their website so if you have time I'd suggest you go ESPN.com and read that right now because like you said it breaks down everything from the timeline of the shooting to the reaction, to the comments from Nate Oates, to now Brandon Miller's comments. Yeah, it does. That, uh, and, and that's uh, hopefully they, he, he and them, you know, can can get through this. And the family that was that lost their loved one can get through this as well. The Illini, as I said, played Penn State tonight. The Mizzou Tigers tomorrow. Mizzou Tigers are a team that I continue to, as much as it pains me, Rock, to talk about because I think that they are really an exciting team to watch. Now, you talked about it earlier playing the Tennessee Vols or having to go up against the Ole Miss Rebels, you would more than likely want to go up against Ole Miss. They had a, they did beat Tennessee at Tennessee earlier this year on the last second half court, uh, three-quarter court shot, but this Mizzou team for me is a team that is going to be a team to watch, not only in the SEC tournament, but in the NCAA tournament as well. If they would to face off against Tennessee and get a win, I legitimately think that almost locks them in as a sixth seed in the tournament. Uh, if it's old Miss, maybe something, maybe maybe it locks them into like a seven. But anyway, one win in the SEC tournament is just it, it takes them out of that really bad eight seed because you don't want to be playing a number one in your second round matchup. So I think this first win right out of the gate, no matter who it is, it's going to be huge for Mizzou. But playing in the SEC tournament, which is in Nashville, Brooke, is a if they are <laughs> to play Tennessee, is that a is that a home court advantage for the Vols? There, oh no, it's not. It, I feel I feel like people forget like how far apart Tennessee is because <laughs> Knoxville is literally four hours away from Nashville. I wouldn't wow. consider that home court advantage. They still, they still, there's going to be a lot of orange in there. I'm sure. I'm sure that those guys from the Tennessee team are familiar with Nashville. I'm sure they've had a few, you know, evenings. <laughs> Spent there. What is it called? I'm what gl- is it, Nash Vegas? Nash, Ve- Nash Vegas. Okay. I'm glad it's a 2 p.m. start. Because if it was like a, if it was like a 7:30 p.m. start, that four-hour drive all of a sudden on a Friday becomes a little bit more doable for all those for all those Tennessee fans. But yeah. at 2 p.m. on Friday, a little bit tougher to make that drive. So now all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I'm really happy with the way they scheduled this one. I know there was a chance they would have gotten the uh, second game, um, but the way the bracket breaks down, they get the earlier one, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I wouldn't say home court advantage whatsoever for for Tennessee. It's a ways away. It's like two (laughs) different worlds, essentially. I'm not scared of Tennessee. Mizzou can beat any team any time. They can now they could lose to any team. They could lose to any team any time. But when you can walk out, when you can confidence that you are, I I mean, it's simple. When you can walk into a game at any point and create a dozen create a dozen (laughs) turnovers and and shoot potentially 
45% from deep on 20-plus shots, the math works out that you can beat almost 100%. any college basketball team any night, assuming they're not also flamethrowing. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. As long as Mizzou is hitting their shots and, and, and you know playing the way that they've played all year, the question is if they start missing shots and start taking more of those shots, then that's when they get themselves in trouble. Kerry, either way, I think, even if Mizzou loses, they're, they're a top 10 seed. Again, the 8 seed would, would be bad if you're a Mizzou fan. But I, I think the Illini... They're playing for something legitimate here. It's only a one-game difference for th- between them and Illinois, or them and Penn State, but yet the way the bracket breaks down, they have to face off against a very good Penn State team that's already beaten them twice. This is a, you know, getting a win or two in the Big Ten tournament, that's a big, big difference for Illinois as opposed to what Mizzou's kind of delta would be. It is, and and I think the Illini are a good team. I think they're starting to figure figure it out a little bit. They've had some some issues throughout the season. You had Sky Clark taking a leave of absence. They've had some some trying to figure out who they are, what they are, and I think they're starting to come to form. They had a good game against Purdue, obviously took a loss at Purdue, but that was a really good game for them. Really, the last couple of games have been really sound, and they're starting to understand Terrence Shannon getting to the bucket, Matthew Meyer shooting the lights out the way that he does, does a great job. So I'm excited about what this Illini team has, what they have been building throughout this entire season. Remember, this is a, a team that when they got together this year was really new. They were all you know, trying to figure out a lot of transfers, a lot of new guys coming in. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can put it all together in the in the uh, Big Ten tournament and hopefully make a run there in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, and I thought it was impressive, too, when they were able to get that victory without Jaden Epps there because he's mm. been such a big piece. And it looks like he did travel with the team a possibility for him he was dealing with a concussion. concussion yep. I thought that was good that at least when you have a guy like him go down, a star player, that you were able to still come away with a win recently. I think that shows a lot of depth because we've seen that with Mizzou at times too right. where you have multiple guys who can step up into games and that's usually teams that can continue to push through, find success and I thought that was at least good for Illinois to have a better run here down the stretch. It's been such a weird up and down season for them. Kerry, here we go. They have the, the Penn State game today, and if they win, they would then face off against the Nerds. The number two-seated North, yeah, Northwestern North. is, is sitting there if they win. So, my question for you, Mr. ILL. I and I. Are the Illini playing in the Big Ten tournament semifinals with wins over Penn State and the Nerds from up North? Well, they're, playing in the, they're, they're playing in the final well, I'm just trying. To, I'm not. I'm just yes. trying to get you there, yes, Kerry. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. And yes. All right. Yes. I'm just saying you're 0 3. You're 0 You're, you're 0 4 against these two teams or whatever. Okay. We're not worried about I just that. Thought we I'd got, point out that you've been struggling. It's time. Okay. It's tournament time. This Illini team is going to figure some things out. Your A10 tournament for the St. Louis Billikens is today. The St. Louis Billikens face off against George Mason. They took a tough home loss. Uh, a loss at home earlier this year, 63 to 62. Home win. I'm sorry, home, they had a home win, excuse me, versus George Mason earlier this year. Um, but it was a tough matchup versus them. They almost gave it away towards the yeah, end. Yeah, they almost gave it away again. Yeah. If, if Josh Odoro dominates the the boards, then the game's not going to go well for, for the Billikens. Um, but if they can slow him down and Yuri can keep playing his great defense on the, on the George Mason wings um, and assume there's no weird, you know, officiating chicanery like there was in the game here at Chaffetz, <laughs> then I think the Billikens got a good chance. It's, it's been an up and down season. It's kind of hard to predict anything the Billikens are going to do. That's Rock. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, Jordan Bennington's play this season has been a bright spot for the Blues' future. Can he continue it and can he get some help? We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the opening drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. I think this year he's been a lot more consistent. You know, his bad games are few and far between. And quite honestly, he's been under siege all season long. This team just does not, for whatever reason, defend very well. And the other night's an example. Brooke, you mentioned that Arizona scored six goals on 27 shots or so. Um, Most of the goals were just grade-A chances that Bennington didn't have a chance on. And um, it's tough on goaltenders, obviously, when when you're facing those type of shots every night. But I think overall, generally, I think he's had a much more consistent season and perhaps a better season than he did a year ago. That was the voice of the Blues, John Kelly, joining us earlier, talking about one Jordan Bennington and his play so far this year. And, Brooke, we we talked about it. Jordan Bennington is probably the team MVP. He's probably – well, not probably. He's been one of your best players, most consistent players all season long. And I know a lot of people will look at the goal scored – each night and say, how is that even possible? But defense and and, and playing hockey is... <laughs> Brooke, you okay? No, I just accidentally hit my hand. <laughs> no, I accidentally hit my hand. <laughs> Brooke is so angry, she's banging the table. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Blues, Jordan Bennington has been their best player, the bright spot this season. Um, and John Kelly has been talking about just wanting to get more from the rest of the guys around him would be beneficial for this team. Well, and that's like that's the thing that I feel like why Jordan Bennington needs to be talked about because especially last season, that 21-22 season, I mean, it feels like an attorney ago, but he pretty much lost his starting job to Billy Husso. It was such a just bad year for him. Billy Husso started to take over the majority of the reps in that really starting job. But then the playoffs came around and playoff Jordan Bennington came around, too, because Billy Husso kind of got a case of the yips, which... We don't like to see. That's Mm -hmm. always rough to see. But the way that Jordan Bennington was in the playoffs was fantastic. And then, of course, you had that whole Nazem Kadri situation. And so you're concerned about, oh, is that going to be an injury that goes into this season? But I feel like his play and how he's been in net this year has been kind of pushed back because of how bad the Blues have been playing, where he's not getting enough credit. Because, of course, you look at statistically, you look at, you know, his numbers and you're like, wow, that's really bad. Especially if we're talking about that game the other night I mentioned with JK, he gave up six goals on 27 shots and his skid has reached seven games. But if you actually watch those games all the way to the end, which I know some, some blue blues fans can't really stand to do that right now to watch it all the way, all the way through, you can tell that he has improved so much since last season The way that he's handling things is great, and honestly, it's his teammates that are not putting him in good situations. It would be hard for really any goaltender, but he still, every once in a while, is making those incredible saves, and it shouldn't be on him to make acrobatic, insane saves every single game when you're taking a flurry of shots because your team's just not doing their job in front of the net of protecting you. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing for for the Blues and for Blues fans, obviously, is the amount of shots that he's taking. But also, the Blues are getting a lot of shots on goal. They got 42 shots on goal the last game, 0 for 6 on the power play. And and a few times, as you talk about, Brooke, when you are uh, Jordan Bennington and trying to 
to alleviate some of these goals and some of these shots that you're taking. It, it comes from your defense, guys hustling back. There was the play where we talked to John Kelly about Clayton Keller scoring that goal. It was a two that they started behind their net and essentially went the length of the ice, splitting defenders and getting to the getting to the um, to the net and were able to score a goal. And you got two or three Blues defenders in chase mode, not stopping the puck, not hitting putting pads or or, or or stopping a guy on the ice and just allowing them to skate freely to the net. It's unfortunate. For Jordan Bennington in this moment, um, because they're not scoring enough goals to to put pressure on opposing teams, and they're not stopping enough to help him uh, from facing all of these shots and facing these odd man rushes where he's really at the mercy of the guys that are coming towards him. It's just it's bad, right? Like you're. It should be he should be getting a lot of praise for how he's performed this season. And look, there's definitely some goals that will you can look back and say, yeah, it's a hundred percent on you. But I couldn't imagine facing that just about every night where your teams are not putting you in good possession good situations to succeed right right i mean you you see it there there's times where they're just like putt wa- puck watching mm-hmm. as jordan bennington is just struggling <laughs> to keep it out of the net you know i mean he can't be expected to do that every night i just can't help but wonder what it would be like if he had a better defensive unit in front of him do you, i can't do you, I, I just want i just would love to see it he would that. be a vesna trophy this, he'd be like the one guy who's always in the Vesna Trophy who has solid stats on a bad team. That that that's what he'd be. I mean, for me, the, just my perception of his contract has shifted so much from last year. You were worrying, is this six-year deal going to bite them? And now there's about six or seven other deals the Blues have right now that I would worry about well before Jordan Pennington's. And I'm not worried about Jordan Pennington's. It's it's kind of crossed back into that solid value for his level in his position. And that's a big thing when you look at the Blues cap table going forward over the next couple of years. Are, are we looking more at the defensemen not performing as well in front of him? Or are we looking a lot towards the forwards, not doing the back checking, not getting back into the play, not hustling enough. Like I said, that play where Clayton Heller scored that Clayton Keller scored that goal. They took that from behind the net and essentially went 200 feet down the ice, <laughs> unstopped, unbothered. You know, just really able to get where they wanted to go with no no one putting any pressure on on the Coyotes at all. I'm going to take all of the above. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I think also what we're seeing to the season is there just seems to be a lot of confusion on the ice of guys just not really playing for each other and looking like well, what are you're supposed to be doing that? You should be taking care of that. It seems like there's no connection out yeah. there on the ice, and there's a lot Everyone of looking at someone else. Yeah, yeah. And, and it and when you have those, you know, kind of breaks in communication, you're going to leave a guy like Jordan Bennington ha- like hanging there, which we've seen many times this season. I think that it's at least his progression this season. It's at least a step in the right direction. As we're looking to rebuild, we're looking ahead to next season. Mm-hmm. I would say, okay, I hope that Jordan Bennington continues to be confident as in net as he was because look, if you looked at last season, it wasn't just he was playing bad. He lacked that edge, that confidence, that 2019 edge that Jordan Bennington yeah. had. That was gone for a big portion of last season. He would be the first to admit that. And the fact that he's getting his confidence back this season, despite not even having those guys exactly playing great in front of him, I think says a lot about where he's progressed mentally. 
Yeah, the mindset of, of finding something, some type of edge, some type of chip on your shoulder, he's definitely found that. And he's playing. I said he's performing well. He's, he's, in my opinion, your team MVP without a question. Hopefully, going forward, he can just get a little bit more assistance in these last uh, 18, 19 games that they have left. Him and Pavel Buchnevich. I, I think that Pavel Buchnevich has he been co-MVPs. The, yeah, well, yeah. Pavel Buchnevich <laughs> is kind of running away with it in my mind right now. Even J.K. mentioning just the fact that he was battling through an ankle infection yeah, and still is that, fighting. Listen, the infection scared me. I, I, you get an infection in your leg, knee, ankle, wherever it is. That to be able to combat that and keep fighting going forward is is a is a hard task to to do. So hats off to him for for fighting through that. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I I think I would be I think I would be out. I, I'd be like, no, you guys are good. This season's a wash, anyways. You know, See you all I'm next just year. <laughs> That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next. Next, we had Greg Amzinger on earlier, and he had an interesting thought on who could be the odd man out in the outfield, and Brooke almost fell out of her chair. We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think Newbar is going to be on the outside looking in, and I'm a big fan of his. I like the way he plays. Uh, these guys become a fan favorite in St. Louis because, you know, his tail's wagging so hard when he plays. He loves being out there, and I'm a big fan of guys like that. From a talent perspective, you go around the outfield, I know there are a lot of people that are down on Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is a mega talent. Dylan Carlson's a former first-round pick, and this kid, Jordan Walker, he was also a first-round pick as well. I just think that, that the cream rises, and Lars Newpar will be a fourth outfielder. That was MLB Network lead anchor Greg Amziger joining us earlier. I'm Kerry Davis. She's Brooke Grimsley. And Brooke, when you heard that comment, for those that don't know, you almost fell off out of your seat onto the floor. I, you, you, you were hanging. I was a little worried because I thought you were going to fall out when he said that Lars Newbar could be the odd man out. I was shocked because <laughs> you're the president and treasurer of the Cali Rosen I am, fan club. I am. I am. And I'm not going to be super biased, but I'll be biased in this one regard. I am the president chairman of the Lars Newbar fan club. I think that he's fantastic. I love the energy that he brings. Oh, and by the way, Greg. Team Japan playing China today. Guess how Lars Newbar did? Two for four with two walks, a stolen base, and a diving catch. And they He's won shining one. at the World Baseball Classic, and they did. Team Japan beat China eight to one. They did. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised by that as well. I think we have maybe written off Dylan Carlson. Well, at least I, I don't. I know Randy is is a is a fan of Dylan Carlson. He wants him, or he he believes that he'll be in the outfield. Tyler O'Neill, we know what he is when healthy, a top ten MVP candidate, and. We've seen Jordan Walker uh, just really show what he is and who he is so far this spring. If he continues to hit, I don't know that there's a reason for him to be in AAA as opposed to be, being here. 2-2 pitch, poke to center, Newbar racing in. Lars Newbar with a sliding catch. I mean, he fits. This is the way he plays the game. Tremendous determination. The reaction from the fans, absolutely superb. And that was Lars today in the World Baseball Classic, Brooke. 
<laughs> that you're shaking your head. Yeah, those yep. are the things you want to hear. Those are the things yep. you expect from one uh, Lars Newt bar. Who wouldn't want that in their outfield? <laughs> Who would not want that? If Team Japan wants that in their outfield, yeah. then I think the Cardinals want that in their outfield too. And guess what? He had the tongue out. He was he was you know the classic <laughs> Lars Newt bar tongue out when he does something really good. Yeah. He did that. He has Shohei Otani doing the pepper grinder as well. I'm all in on Lars Newtbar being that guy. Look, and I'm not the only one. The Cardinals have pretty much... I, look, they, they are definitely making it a competition for the outfield, but they seem to be really pleased with Lars Newtbar, especially out there in right. And if he continues to perform well in the World Baseball Classic, that's only going to help him. I don't think that hurts him in the competition yeah. whatsoever because they're going to pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I think I, I was surprised. Like I said, I thought Lars, when I've seen Jordan Walker playing so much left field, it, it really resonated that he's probably going to be your opening day left fielder and Lars Newbar is going to be your opening day right fielder. Just imagine it now. Look at it now. We have we have Jordan Walker out in left field, Dylan Carlson centering, as long as his arm fatigue is mm-hmm. going to be figured out by the time the season starts, and Lars Newbar in right field. Yeah. Tell me that that's not beautiful. Tyler O'Neill <laughs> might be somewhere. And maybe Tyler O'Neill, if Dylan Carlson is still Jeez. battling this arm fatigue issues, maybe maybe Tyler O'Neill is going to be centering. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you put Jordan Walker centering because he's been practicing. I feel like I feel like you can put Tyler O'Neill a lot of different places and it will work out well because of his gold glove and his abilities. Of course, left field is his spot, so maybe you put Jordan Walker in center. I kind of like that one, too. And then mm-hmm. you put – there's so many possibilities, but in every possibility, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm still seeing Lars Newbar in right field. Yeah, I, I think he's going to he's gonna have an opportunity. I think he's going to be out there. Greg Amzinger also had high thoughts on another young player on this Cardinal roster. Well, of all those guys that you named, there's only one future first ballot Hall of Famer that compared himself – to one of those guys. That's Albert Poole saying, Juan Yepes reminds me of me. And the Cardinals know the talent this kid has. You're going to give him as many at-bats as possible. He will DH this year. I don't care what his spring stats are. He's going to break the team. He will DH against even right-handed pitching on some days. They want to develop him and become a middle-of-the-order threat. So don't get too lost in the, in the failures and successes of spring training. We love it right now because it's working for Jordan Walker, but the Cardinals have incredibly high hopes for Juan Yepes. That was an interesting name because we talked about who's going to be the DH. Is it going to be Nolan Gorman if Brendan Donovan beats him out at, at second base? Is it going to be Juan Yepes? Maybe Moises Gomez? There are a lot of guys still vying for that opportunity to be the everyday DH, and, and Juan Yepes is one of those names that is uh, maybe at the front of that conversation. You see, I, I still would put Nolan Gorman at the front, especially if you're concerned about his field. And we keep talking about that over and over again is who is better at that. And no doubt, Brendan Donovan, he's he's put in that work. He's been great. I can see Tommy Edmond really enjoying working alongside him. And even Nolan Arenado has commented on Brendan Donovan and his fielding capabilities. I see Nolan Gorman kind of leading the charge, especially my biggest thing is if he can continue to hit well against lefties, that's going to be a big thing. Yepes, not taking away anything from him, but man, what a what a big compliment by Albert <laughs> by yeah. Albert Pujols. I I don't know if he's going to be doing the exact same thing that Albert Pujols did last season because <laughs> that's that's pretty hard to do and replicate. But at the same time, I to me, I'm looking at Nolan Gorman now more in that DH spot. Um, 
that's just where I see it. Or you could even put Brennan Donovan there. I mean, Brennan Donovan seems to succeed just about in every spot that you put him in. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch how this all how it how it all goes. There's still a lot of competition going on for these young players trying to figure out who's going to be on the roster, who's going to be starting, who's going to get the opportunities at the plate to make the plays. And and the best part about it, Brooke, is even if you aren't one of the starters and 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 the guy in front of you is not performing well, the competition that they've had all spring training, I think Ali would be comfortable with putting one of those other guys in and allowing them to have an opportunity if someone isn't performing well. I love it. I love all the competition that's going on. I think that it's only going to make these players even better. And look, I want Yepes to come out and surprise me and also beat out Nolan Gorman for that DH spot. You never know. I That's what is so interesting about all this. I think that by Flag Day, as Klaibs likes to say, we're going to be talking about how different it is from what we expected going into this season. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch it and see how, you know, opening day roster, who's there, who's starting, who's playing, who's pitching, you know, where the where the uh the the, the relief pitchers wind up, who's who's here and who's not. Is Libertor here? Is 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 Zach Thompson here? There's a lot of guys still vying for opportunities this spring that are uh that's the best part of spring training and, and really off-season workouts, things that allow you to have, compete and, and go for that job. I think the fun part is never knowing exactly how to weight any of this. You, we, yeah. Jordan Walker's having a huge game. Lars Newport has a big game against China. Like, How do you weight really any of this going forward? That's always the biggest question. I think just performing well, no matter the circumstances, is going to be you know <laughs> the, the best part of it. It doesn't matter where you're playing or who you're playing against. I know a texter texted in, who does, what major league players does China have on their team? I, I, I would have to look at see maybe maybe a few maybe not many but either way performing well when you're when you're playing the game is all that matters and if you're not performing well well that matters in the opposite direction it it does and here's the thing is if things and this is just spring training so we're tempering expectations right now but my biggest takeaway from this right now is if things continue in this direction you have this competition you have guys trying to hit their way into a starting job I hope that by the end of the season, we're not talking again about concerns about offense. That was that. We didn't I don't want to go gonna through that again. It. I don't think we're going to have that issue this year. That's the biggest <laughs> thing. You cannot. That's the Cardinals said that they. You cannot have that happen again. We're averaging whatsoever. eight runs a game. That's that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Eight a game. You got a problem with that, Rock? I have no problem with that. I okay. Seems yes. like you had an issue. I'm going to. <laughs> He's I'm looking just, at me like yeah, I'm just just stepped up to the mic. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I just. I can't imagine actually ever caring about the like worrying about the Cardinals' offense this year. Yeah. I mean, it was sixth in the Major League Baseball last year. It completely dried up in the playoffs. That happens. They, they, they've got to be you know better you know hitters in the playoffs when it, when it comes to those clutch moments. But when you have the sixth regular season offense in baseball. I don't think it means that there's something inherently wrong with how you're building your offense or anything like that. I just defense for me from back to like the Libertor conversation earlier. That's going to be the one we're talking about all year. I think. Hey, and you know what's nice too? Say that some other issue pops up down the line. Say starting pitching. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You have so you much. Well <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm saying. Don't you? You have a lot of possibilities me, out there of packaging some guys to move. For say a starting pitcher, because yeah. we know how we saw how intense this market market is for starting pitchers. I'm just saying, it might help them. Who wants Paul DeYoung? <laughs> That's Rock. I don't know. That's <laughs> Rock. That's Brooke. I'm Carrie. Jr. Our good friend Jeremy Rutherford published an article earlier today on the Athletic. As the Blues opt for more speed, can Barubi successfully adapt his style? We'll ask him next on the opening drive.
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back to the opening drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and talk to our great friend, writer for The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. JR, how are you doing this morning, sir? Doing great, doing great. You guys are uh, carrying the show. I, I did uh, see Randy when I was in Arizona. I tweeted a picture of being at the game, and uh, all of a sudden I get a text from Randy, and it says, Look up and to your right. And I do so. <laughs> <laughs> and there he is sitting in a suite. At the wow. Arena. wow. <laughs> oh, he's doing some some outstanding things. He's at the World Baseball Classic game. He's at Coyotes games in Arizona. He, he just left us out here, huh, bro? He's living the life, We got huh? to have a conversation with him. Thank you for that information, <laughs> JR. We greatly appreciate it. <laughs> JR, you, you, you wrote an article earlier today. You talked about as the Blues opt for more, more speed, can Bruby successfully adapt his style? What are your thoughts? Yeah, here's the thing, Kerry. You know, I think uh, all that success in 2019 that the Blues had when Craig Bruby came in and everybody loved the style. And, and they had the roster for it with those guys that could just come wave after wave and wear teams down. That's that's how the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Since then, you know, the game changes, your personnel changes, you, you draft some players who come up, you know, like a Jordan Cairo. And so people have the question, and it's a fair one, you know, can Craig Berube coach this style? And so what I kind of set out to do is with the Blues getting Kapanen and getting Vrana, you know, those guys are two fast guys. Can Craig Berube coach that style? So I talked to him about that a couple of days ago in, uh, in Arizona, and what he says is true. I really believe him on this. Look, he said, I, don't, I, I love coaching transition rush players. If they've got the talent to do it, let's go for it. He said the only thing we say to these guys is make good decisions. And, and let me ask you guys this. When you're watching a Blues game, you know, Robert Thomas, Jordan Kyrie, just two examples, super players, phenomenal players. But when you watch the game and they carry the puck into the offensive zone and kind of either curl up or maybe try to force a, a fancy pass that isn't there and it's turned over and goes back the other way, you know, that's where Craig Booby would probably like a, a better decision made with the puck. So to me, that's all he's saying he welcomes the transition players. He says, just be smart, and if you lose the puck, be competitive. Get back, play defense. Now, Jr. we've talked a lot today about Pavel Buchnevich, and for good reason, because he's been playing his butt off for the Blues, especially since returning from the injured list. What have you seen from him, and what do you think about his future with the Blues, especially going into next season? Do you see him kind of tra- transitioning positions? J.K. mentioned earlier, possibly him being a centerman. Yeah, first to how he's playing, it's just been terrific. I think it's really good to see for the Blues on a couple levels. One, obviously, he's a talented player. He's showing it. If you're going to lose a Ryan O'Reilly, a Vladimir Tarasenko, yeah, you're going to count on the guys like Robert Thomas, uh, Kyra, two guys we just mentioned. But you need you need Buchnevich to be that guy. You need him to be a dynamic player, and he has been. Not not just with this point streak, but I think even for as tough of a season as it's been for the Blues, you know, he's been really, really good. And, and I think now he's kind of asserting himself as a leader, too. You need to have more voices than a Braden Shan, uh, a Robert Thomas, and I think Buchnevich is going to be that guy. And then as far as center, talked to Craig Berube about that a couple of days ago, too. And he said that uh, they've tried it, 
as an experiment. Even though he came up as a center, he hasn't played a lot of center. The Blues have tried it in a few games. And I said, so when do you make that decision that we're going to try to stick with this? And he said, probably sooner than later. So I wouldn't be surprised, Brooke, if you see uh, Pavel Buchnevich, whether it's by the end of the season or coming into camp next year, he's penciled in as a center. Probably depend on you know what they can accomplish in the offseason with the roster. JR, the Blues have lost eight of the last nine games, and in those games that they've lost, they've gone 0 for 29 on the power play. Is it as simple as just scoring some goals when they have a man advantage that will allow them to be in some of these games and potentially win them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at that stretch here, what are they, one, five, and two in their last eight, I think, since the O'Reilly trade? I think they just have power play goals in the one game. It was uh, San Jose, which is their opponent uh, tonight. I think they had a couple power play goals in that game. Look, I was at Mullet Arena the other night. They had 116 of a five-on-three. You know, even the five-on-three was, wasn't that pretty. And uh, Craig Bruby said it afterwards uh, that uh, some plays were just not made on that five-on-three. But big picture, you know, it's the old cliche thing, just not enough shots. 0 for 6 on the power play against uh, Arizona the other night with just eight shots on net. Uh, and we, we had uh, Buchnevich speaking to him after the game, and he said, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's wrong. It's just absolutely not connected right now. And, and to answer your question, Kerry, yes, it is definitely, definitely uh, costing the Blues some games in the stretch. All right, we're with Jeremy Rutherford, Blues beat writer for The Athletic. And Jeremy, you just had an article come out the other day that I'm sure a lot of Blues fans were interested in reading. Blues playing their way into the NHL's Connor Bedard sweepstakes. What do you mean by that? And could you break down the possibilities of that happening? Yeah, so it's tough. And that's the name that you mention uh, every time you talk about the draft lottery because Connor Bedard is a a generational type talent and will be the number one pick. Uh, But there are other good players at two, three, four, uh, so on and so forth. Well, right now, the Blues, at least as of yesterday, they were tied for about the eighth worst record in the league. And the way the draft lottery works in the NHL is all 16 teams that do not make the playoffs will be given a percentage to win the lottery. Uh, a set percentage based on where they fall in the standings, and then they'll do the draft lottery. And so right now the Blues just have about a 5% chance of getting that number one overall pick. Uh, They could move up to number two as well and and get one of those other uh, good players. But as they lose games, their chances uh, increase. And so are you going to get to the point where you get an 18% chance uh, to get that number one overall pick like Columbus sits right now as the worst team in the league? You're probably not, Brooke, but uh, it just seems like the, the Blues fans that I talk to after each game, you want to be a Blues fan, you want to root for the team, but they're not as bummed out as you'd think they'd be about a loss like the other night because uh, these are really good players that the Blues could get in the draft. Yeah, a couple of those players are Fantilli and Mitchkoff. Those are two players that uh, if Bedard wasn't in the draft, they could potentially be number one players chosen. What do you think about the prospects of the Blues maybe getting one of those guys? Yeah, definitely, and a, and a lot gets mentioned about that number one overall pick that you could jump to, but you could jump to uh, number two as well. Uh, they changed the lottery to, to make that the system uh, a couple of years ago, and, and, and so you're right. Those are a couple of big names that are also on the board, and our scouting guru, prospect guru at The Athletic, uh, Corey Pronman, a couple of days ago, he said just what you said there, Kerry, said that uh, you know those guys would definitely be – number one pick possibilities if you didn't have a counter Bedard on the board. So it's not a situation this year where if you miss the top guy, even though you're going to miss, you know, a one in a however many year type guy, uh, you're still going to get a good player at two, three, if that's what happens uh, for the blues. But, you know, 
honestly, you'd have to lose a lot more games kind of to climb up and increase those odds. I just wanted to point out with the way things have gone lately, it is a possibility. Jeremy, we we also talked to uh, J.K. earlier just about the future of the Blues for next season. And, you know, there's been a lot of names swirling around. I know that you wrote about Colm Pareko and obviously nothing panned out with that. But another name that keeps coming up is Tory Krug. What do you see his future being with, with the season? Yeah, so I think that they'll address the defense in the offseason. And when I say address it, I don't know that they'll be able to get anything done. But I think Doug Armstrong will continue to have those talks and explore and see if there's any takers out there. I think why you hear Colton Preco's name out there is because there there are some teams that would have interest. I, I know seven years is a long time, but maybe they feel that Colton Preco fits better with their club uh, than with the Blues. And also, you know, those type of defensemen, who can log a lot of minutes and skate, you know, there's, there's not a lot of them available. So with Tory Krug, a little bit of a different scenario, you know, he doesn't fit that Colton Pareko profile. And while he's been a very, very good player in the league, he's been banged up this year. And he also has four more years left on his uh, deal. So, you know, what I was hearing leading up to the trade deadline is that the blues didn't have or hear from a lot of teams regarding Tory Krug. Could that change in the offseason? I suppose it could, but to me that seems like more of a situation where as the term comes off of that deal, if he's playing well, then perhaps there could be a move in the future. But I think if the Blues are looking to mix things up this offseason and, and make that defense look different, you know, I, it seems to me like Colton Braco would be their, their chance to do that because there would be some interest around the league. All right, last question for you, and this is probably the most important here today. We are talking about a pickleball tournament amongst the shows. I know that you go on the other shows as well, and we won't hold that against you, but we we need to know, who do you think out of the shows is going to win the pickleball tournament? Out of all the shows? Okay, so each show is its own team? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, we got a professional athlete sitting right next to you, Brooke, and and you are are an athletic person as well. I play tennis, Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I like your guys' chances. Can it be a deal because I do do each show uh, every day of the week, whatever show I'm on, I can just kind of say that they're going to win? <laughs> no, no. That's, Jay, that's, that the, that's the politically correct move. I, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's think about it for one more second. You got, you got BK, Ferrario, and Tanner. Didn't they go like 0 for 27 on that home run contest a few years ago? Uh, <laughs> so you're saying the athletic genes and, and, and just the, the – the bones to get it done is not there for the for the BK yeah. Ferrario show. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think it's going to be you guys, but I don't know that Randy needs to participate. Maybe he can just be the <laughs> trivia guy off to the side or something. So, uh, if you guys are playing the pickleball and he's kind of your manager, I'll go with you guys. Well, here's the thing, uh, Jr. If we do lose, I'm going to jump over the net and tackle Stalter. So, you know, we're going to win one way or another. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Well, I'll go with you guys as long as you don't listen to the other shows. Uh. <laughs> Jr. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Talk to you next week. All right, see you guys. That was Jeremy Rutherford, writer for The Athletic, uh, joining us talking a little blues hockey. What you got, Rock? I got to tell everybody, we were talking uh, some ba- basketball. We're going to talk about a little basketball coming back. But here's the thing. The NCAA tournament is coming up. In fact, the first round of NCAA tournament action tips off just next week. And 101 will be getting in on the fun by going to watch the games at Max Downtown Alton. We'll be broadcasting live next Thursday and Friday, live from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and the Fast Lane from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. There will be plenty of screens to watch all the first round madness, plus delicious food, the coldest beer, tons of 101 ESPN giveaways, and more. 
more. That's BK and Ferrario and BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane live next Thursday and Friday for the NCAA tournament at Max Downtown. And speaking of those wonderful 101 ESPN giveaways, we got one for you right now going into the break. That's right. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Guns N' Roses on September 9th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Guns N' Roses are on sale now, and you can text in to win a free ticket, free tickets, excuse me, from 101 ESPN at 314-399-9646. All you have to do is be text number 25 to answer today's trivia question again text in 314-399-9646 when the Missouri Tigers played in their last ever Big 12 basketball game what was the result it's a pretty easy question here when the Tigers played in their last ever Big 12 basketball game not their last game ever as a Big 12 team their last ever Big 12 basketball game what was the result it's an easy one and you can find all the ticket info and a bonus chance to register to win tickets for Guns N' Roses live at Bush Stadium right now on your 101 ESPN mobile app or at 101ESPN.com Carrie's uh, a hater who's wrong <laughs> about this question by the way that's all I'm saying Coming up next, we got some questions. Rock will uh, rock and roll with us. Coming up next on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, Matthew Rocchio. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of rock and roll with some show business. So let's start out with with, with some uh, with some legitimate stuff. First of all, first off, everybody, you got to show off your NCAA tournament knowledge this year by signing up to play in the 101 ESPN Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge. You can now register to. You can register now to participate on 101ESPN.com. And once the bracket is set after Sunday, you can make your picks for this year's tournament. It's free to enter, but the top scorer will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 ESPN prize pack. See the contest rules and get signed up today to play Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. 101ESPN's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge is brought to you by Neutral and Twin Peaks. Speaking of a little bit of station business we got to get to, well... In the, again, the segment they call the Sports Six Pack, Andrew Marsh brought up uh, something going on right now, which is the, the little fight that we got going with the rest of the stations. We've challenged them to a pickleball tournament with, with, with this show. And they got into it, and Marsh, uh, Marsh had a little bit of question to set the table for uh, Stalter and Jamie Rivers yesterday on the fast lane. But how is the fast lane preparing for this? I'm not at all. Just give me the damn racket. That's all oh, Jamie. Are you kidding me? We've got athletes. Yeah. We've got yeah. competitive fire. Just gonna go. We've got raw grit. talent. Absolutely. Oh yeah. We show up. We throw the rackets on the pickleball court, and we dominate. I faces. saw a couple of those That's guys today. Nobody said a word. Of course not. <laughs> they were like, they probably didn't think about. They're probably thinking of. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're thinking of a midday show, and they were gonna like take them out behind the woods. That so. makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they thought of. Well, I don't know. The afternoon drive. No. And, and poor Randy, who's on vacation right now, oh, man, taking in true. some spring training baseball, he's going to walk back in to the lion's den <laughs> and not understand what happened <laughs> because of the irresponsible nature of Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, and Matt Rocchio. Right. Do you think people lose their jobs because of this? <laughs> I hope not, Jamie. I hope not either. But yeah, Randy, he gets that blackout rage. He and- certainly does. And I can envision Randy stepping onto the or stepping into the studio on Monday saying, 
What the hell did you get me in? Yeah, into? What, what was this guarantee? What was this challenge? What, yeah. what, what is this pickleball? Right. Do you know who's on the fast lane? Uh, sure. Three psychopaths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what were you thinking? We've got bench players too. Oh yeah. Like if we if we want we got we can go deep into the roster. No we got question. BT. We got Matt Holiday. Come like, on. Come on. Kerry, they say they have athletes. Yeah. Uh, I believe we have world champions uh, on do. our team. I'm just saying. I'm just a little hardware. A, a former tennis player, a collegiate tennis player, a, 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 a woman that has done things. If I'm not mistaken, pickleball is essentially tennis without all it the is. movement, right? It, it really is. Yeah, and so, don't, yeah. don't worry. And first of all, we're not scared because. Was that Anthony that said they're going to throw the rackets <laughs> yep, on the court? That's, what Anthony that's said. not even how it's played. So we're already winning and we already have an advantage because we know that you don't throw the rackets on the court. So we're already ahead of you. And look, Carrie and I will go ahead and get some lessons started. We're going to be fully prepared. We're not scared of them. Yes, we, we are. I, I, unfortunately, I did not see Mr. Rivers yesterday in the hallway when he said someone walked right past him because I would stare right directly into your eyes, sir, oh, and you good. and I would have a good old-fashioned lockdown, and we would have good, clean fun in the hallways here at ESPN Radio and Hubbard Radio. You and I can go tango at any time, sir, and I am looking forward to the opportunity to see you, Mr. Stalter, Marsh, Marshmallow, whatever your name is, sir. We're, we are all here. We're here. We're ready whenever you're ready. And guess what? Our fearless leader, one Randy Carricker, is going to come in. You know about the blackout rage, but you have yet to see said blackout rage. When we step onto this pickleball court, you will see said blackout rage from one Mr. Carricker and myself and Brooke Grimsley, and it's going to go down. We're ready. <laughs> We are ready. So you just tell us the time, place, wherever it needs to be. We are there. We're ready to go. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I'm Rocky, 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 I was ready to Coach Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. It's been fantastic today. Look forward to doing it again tomorrow. Yes, and the uh, next day, and the next day, and the next day, and, the next day, and, and the next week. Because we also have to strategize <laughs> here soon, so we're going to have to have some meetings. Yeah, yeah we're we're going to be ready to go. Jam packed show today uh, for tomorrow already. We're going to have Robert Thomas coming on after the Blues game tonight. Also, we're going to be looking right now. Maybe we could be talking to City player before they head off to Portland. Thank you, Rock. Coming up next, you got a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax. That's next on One Hundred and One ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.